0: Danielle
1: McCartan,
2: Sports Radio, 101.9 FM, the fan, WFAN. Well, good evening, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. Danielle at Sunday dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. I've got my big ziti to my right. Haven't eaten it yet, but I will soon. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you right up till 10 p.m. tonight. So whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning into the show right now. And throughout... The rest of this early evening. we're here in the Big Apple. Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday afternoon. You know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones. 877-337-6666. And as always, let's load them up with your best content only. Tonight I've got three guests for you. at 720 to break down the Giants draft in its totality. Former Super Bowl winning Giant and current host for the Giants. And for New York Post Sports, Brendan London. Jets fans, at 840, to analyze and evaluate your draft in its totality, a Jets first-round selection in a franchise-altering draft himself, Anthony Beck will be here, so Jets fans, mark it down, 840. And then at 920, to help me explain the hit-by-pitch phenomenon happening to the New York Mets, and to dissect the intrigue about players policing the game, four-time World Series winning pitcher, Jeff Nelson. So, lots to do tonight. S- Got a guest in each of the seven, eight, and nine p.m. hours, and it is—it's uh, a fun time here in New York sports, that is for sure. And when was the last time we could say something like that? Sweet dreams are made of. That sweep. Let me fix that sweep. Dreams are made of these. Get the brooms out. The New York Yankees have won nine straight. Three, three sweeps in a row. And they have the second best run differential in the league. And they still, still have sole possession of the best record in baseball. That, for the first time, happened yesterday. And hasn't happened since September 14th, 2019. 19. According to my own McCartan math, of the 16 games that the Yankees have won this season, they have hit a home run in 13 of them. So when Aaron Judge launched the no-doubter 453 feet to straightaway center in the top of the first inning, I knew that they were going to win this game. Judge, oh, by the way, has been absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. He bookended the Yankees' first and last runs of the day with two home runs and three RBIs, and over the last 11, he's hit seven home runs, has 15 RBIs and has been hitting 333 with an OPS of 1.219. Oh wow. Also, he has reached base safely in 19 of the Yankees 22 games. So if you're looking for someone in your beat the streak, um I'd take a really hard look at Aaron Judge. By the way, my streak's at 3. The difference in this game was the fact that the Yankees were able to put away a bad team on a getaway day. I mean, the Royals have only won seven games so far this season. And if we're being honest, it is true that the Royals beat themselves more than the Yankees actually beat them today. And that's okay. A win is a win. I say that because I point to the pivotal inning, inning number seven. Entering that inning, the Yankees trailed the Royals 4-3. to Leaving the inning, they took the lead 5-3. Or 5-4, I guess it was, and didn't look back. You know, in that Yankee half of the seventh, the Royals, this this is how I, why I say that the Royals beat themselves. The Royals allowed a walk to the Yankees. It was uh, There was a hit by pitch. There was another walk. That loaded the bases. Then there was a ground out on a check, excuse me, swing by Aaron Judge, which I'm sure you've seen. Then it was a fielder's choice, a wild pitch, an intentional walk, and then a ground in to double play to end it. Well, guess what? Sometimes it happens like that. Isn't that baseball, Susan, right? So not a single Yankees batted ball left the infield, and yet they left that, that frame ahead and didn't look back. And, and this team today and throughout the season has shown resiliency. We talked about it here before, that this team, this Yankees team, unlike in past years, is a resilient bunch. And we've talked about it before about two or three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I'd say. Today, the Yankees climbed back into this game after being down 4-1 through the bottom of the fourth. And then in the top of the fifth, Kiner Falefa hit a hard double down the third baseline. And forget about going first to third. Miguel Andujar went first to home to cut it to four to two. Then DJ LeMay, who fought off a pitch to produce an RBI single, which scored IKF from second base with a. he had a great secondary lead. And that's probably why he ended up scoring. And this was the Yankees' seventh comeback win of the season so far. Tied for second most in baseball as we sit here right now. Second most in baseball for comeback wins. They're only one behind the Pirates. They have eight. And for for some perspective, last season, the Yankees had 44 comeback wins. Thanks to Sweeney Murdy for that with the assist to Paul Rosenberg. But they've already got seven. And... Last season, they had 44 all last season. So, oh, and you know what? And, and as far as the Yankees cheating letter, I have to address this because let me just tell you that I read it. And I just want to tell you that the note that Snooky and j typed to Sammy in Miami about that one time at bed, that was way more interesting. Enough already. <laughs> Yeah, reflecting on the month of April for the Mets. Harder, better, faster, stronger are these 2022 New York Mets. I mean, really, they are at or near the top of many offensive categories, and their starting pitching rotation has been elite, even without Jacob deGrom in it. Believe that. But in a few minutes, just a little while from now, the Mets will be playing in their, in their uh, seventh series so far this season. And guess what? They're going for their seventh series win out of those seven. Oh, and by the way, it's Scherzer night on Sunday Night Baseball. So a quick shout out to all of you that are going to have me on the radio and the Mets game on your TV on mute. So if you're doing that, I want you to tweet me or tag me in the Instagram stories of your setups, doing that You know, in about 20 minutes or so uh, in a little while, at Coach MCCARTAN. And what I'm looking for tonight from the Mets, just three things. I'm gonna have it on on mute in the studio myself, and I'm gonna do the best I can in keeping an eyeball on it. But you know, the Mets pitching staff—they are set. Well, the Mets are seven and one when they did not give up a home run. The Mets are seven and one when they do not give up a home run. Okay. Number two, Francisco Lindor has to remain hot and in the thick of it. And the third thing is, I know the standings suggest otherwise, but if you look at these two teams the Mets and the Phillies, what they have done over the past 10 games, you might be a little surprised. They have the same record over those to- that over those ten- last 10 games. Their ERAs are almost identical and their batting averages are similar. But going into this game, the Phillies have outscored their opponents by 25 runs over the past 10. The Mets, 11. I know Scherzer can do it. So the bullpen is squarely in my crosshairs tonight because as good as it has been for the Mets, the bullpen seems to be the most suspect aspect of this team still. Death taxes and Adam Odovino implosions. And, and that's, I'm talking about last night's game. He came into the game with a 1-0 lead and left after having faced just six batters with the Phillies leading the Mets 3-1. Like, come on.
3: Up
2: well, first off, I would like to address the supreme feeling of FOMO that I had while watching all of the NFL draft coverage in Las Vegas. That's my second city, the blue sky without a single cloud in it, the Link Promenade, the spritz from the Bellagio Fountains. Anyway, quite a few of the topmost upper-crust prospects woke up in Vegas and ended their weekends in New Jersey. We talked about it last week, and it lived up to the billing. The first hour or so of the draft this year was more exciting than any football that the Jets and Giants put on the field over the past couple seasons combined. Five of the top 13 prospects in this 2022 NFL Draft We'll be calling MetLife Stadium home in the coming years. And that ranking wasn't according to any pundits or experts. That is according to the National Football League itself. Of those five, both Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau are New York Giants. And Ahmed Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson II are New York Jets. And I feel that football fans in and around this city are on the precipice of a renaissance that would make Leonardo da Vinci, Giovanni Boccaccio, and the entire Medici family jealous. No, this isn't Firenze, Italia. It's East Rutherford, New Jersey, baby. And I ran a poll for the Jets and Giants fans after round one asking what grade people would give to each team, A, B, C, or D. Jets fans, 53% of them would give Joe Douglas and company an A. That was the majority. And Giants fans, 77% of voters would give Joe Shane and company an A. Siri. I'm not talking to you, Siri. (laughs) My watch. Um, But lucky for you. I I assess bodies of work and assign grades dozens of times a day every weekday. I'm also known as a pretty strict grader. So let's look at the Jets first. You know, I I don't know if there was a single thing that that organization could have done better during this draft. With three of their first four picks, they chose Gardner, Wilson, and Hall, who were considered to be the best players at their respective positions. Cornerback, wide receiver, running back in that order. You know, I had Trent McDuffie graded higher than Sauce Gardner. Mostly because of the scouting reports that said Sauce, and this is a quote, grabs and holds plethora of holding and INT calls over three years. And that his footwork needs to become a priority. So it's no surprise to me that those two things are correlated. Gardner and McDuffie were separated out by two hundredths of a point in the grade scale from the NFL itself. And if Sauce Gardner cleans up his footwork and he is coached hard to do so, I'll live McDuffie, by the way, went 21st overall to the Chiefs. And you know what? I was also completely happy with the fact that Derek Stingley Jr. was already off the board by the time the Jets were picking. Whew, like, no doubt. Bullet dodge there, I'm telling you now. Garrett Wilson was the second highest wide receiver uh, for me. And what scares me a little bit about him was in his scouting report, it says, takes off without a clear route plan. Sloppy footwork in and out of the immediate breakpoints, excessive stutter stepping, and suffered from focus drops near the sideline. Now, the first two and a half of those things are coachable, but I'm not sure how you could coach focus drops out of a player. But then again, I've never been an NFL coach nor an NFL wide receiver. So keeping Zach Wilson in mind, to me, Chris Olave seemed like a better fit. What I really liked in his scouting report was, is a quote, inside-outside hybrid, appealing to offenses looking for a field stretcher with the ability to take on a sizable catch load, and more importantly, Chris Olave scrambles with his quarterback. Think about all those off-schedule throws that Wilson makes. Olave went the very next pick to the Saints, by the way. And then Brees Hall. Thanks to the Giants, the Jets were able to send picks 38 and 146 to them, to trade up to 36 for Hall. To me, this kind of came out of nowhere because under Joe Douglas, this is the third straight year that the Jets have drafted a running back. P. Ryan, then Carter, and don't forget Tevin Coleman, and now Brees Hall. Despite the fact that the scouting report says that he needs to play fast and more decisively versus NFL speed, I'm excited about him. NFL next-gen stats ranks him as a 99, which is nuts. He seems like he's going to be like a third down, short yardage, reliable back, but also one that flashes out of the backfield as a pass catcher because the scouting report says he has soft hands out of the backfield. I think he's going to f- figure to be a complete mismatch for defenses. Completely unexpected for me, but pleasantly surprised. And and Anthony Beck's son plays collegiate football with him, with Brees Hall. So, of course, I'm going to ask him about that. That's coming up a little bit later. Then the steal of the entire draft for me. The Jets traded up to get Jermaine Johnson, the 13th player in the draft, in the according to the actual NFL and their rankings. A seek-and-destroy finisher in the pocket who keeps feet moving, generating secondary effort sacks, who plays hard and fast, rarely stays blocked. Those, of course, all according to his scouting report. And the one thing, though, that bothers me about him, and I know people can... And do change. But the one thing that bothers me about Jermaine Johnson is that he didn't qualify academically, academically coming out of high school. And I'm wondering how that's going to translate to the classrooms in Florham Park. But I've learned that when students are super motivated in my own classes because they're interested in the material or whatever, they will themselves to succeed. And I just hope the same for Johnson and the Jets. And ultimately, like those kids in my class, you're probably waiting patient for the grade, maybe not so much the explanation of the rubric. I mean, through those first four picks, then you add in the tight end from Long Island, Jeremy Ruckert, for the feel factor, all the feels factor. All things considered, I would give this Jets draft an A plus, for real. And for me, too, it's it's what Joe Douglas didn't do that added that plus on there. I am very pleased that he stuck to the plan in building this thing and not succumbing to that same old Jets mentality. And what I mean by that is selling the farm for Debo Samuel. He's a great player. He's got game-breaking playmaking potential. Sure, they would sell thousands of Samuel jerseys. He'd generate a lot of ticket sales. But the Jets' win expectancy, even after the draft, as set by FanDuel is five and a half games. And I'd have to ask Cynthia Freeland what Debo Samuel's win share would be. But I'd venture to guess that having him on the team would not get these Jets into the playoffs not without a defense and then did you see the drama on Twitter late last night Odell Beckham tweeted and then he's gonna spill the tea that Debo told him then he tweeted this is a quote breaking news Debo to the Patriots WTF with like 15 F's That's Odell Beckham Jr. on Twitter and then late last night he also tweeted to the Twitter world I'm so sorry I love Debo and and giving him hell problem causing more problems I can't help it, Debo News gone break on its own. Yeah, this young team, this Jets team with this young quarterback doesn't need this drama, nor the pressure of feeling like he has to force the ball to Debo. One more year, and the Jets can make a splash for a player like this. One more year. And now, throughout the night, we're going to discuss what his expectations are for this Jets team. Ooh, that's a term not smoking around Florham Park for quite some years. Expectations. And in fact, the Jets have not made the playoffs in 11 years. It's like the old lady from the Titanic. It's been 11 years, which is the longest streak in the National Football League. But what are the expectations for this team anyway? Well, we'll talk about that coming up. But next, we've got to talk about the success that the New York Giants had in Vegas, too. I mean, we've been talking about it for years here on this show on The Fan Peanut butter, jelly, cookies, milk. The Giants needing offensive linemen, and in fact, according to Pro Football Focus, last season the Giants ranked thirtieth at pass blocking, and in 2020 they ranked dead last, sitting there with overall picks five and seven. You knew they were going to use it at uh, at least one of them to pick a hog, Molly, and then. When the Giants' number five pick came in, edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau, the instant reaction was, what are they doing? And then the secondary reaction was, wow, what a genius Joe Shane is. Because by taking Thibodeau, according to the NFL, the fifth best player in the entire draft at five, the Giants were guaranteed to land one of the top three offensive linemen. Joe Shane, for real, the smartest guy in the room. Iki Iquanu was taken at 6, which left either Evan Neal or Charles Cross for the Giants to choose from. I was nervous that they were going to pick Cross, to be honest, because in my research, Equanu and Neal were comparable. However, the fact that Equanu's scouting report said he still had plenty of work needed in pass protection, that was a total red flag for me, for a franchise that it is in a crucial point to evaluate its quarterback, and who very well could have a rookie quarterback under center after this season. The last thing you want, in my opinion, is a guy who struggles in pass protection. And then Cross, also in my opinion, was not even in the same stratosphere as Iquanu and Neal. So I was very happy that the Giants decided to take on Evan Neal because he, in my opinion, was the best of the three. The guy has started three different offensive line positions. He has had experience at those positions against the best competition the NCAA has to offer. Not my words. That's his scouting report. And he is quote, well-schooled in the technical aspects of the positions, end quote. You know what that tells me? That tells me that this kid, Evan Neal, is smart, and he has been well-coached throughout his football career. I am so excited for Neal to be a Giant, and he, oh, by the way, according to the NFL, was the third-best player in the entire draft. The Giants got him at seven. Now, back to Thibodeau. To be quite honest, I didn't even mark him or Aiden Hutchinson up because I thought – myself i said there's no way either of these guys would fault either the jets or the giants and so thibodeau did he is a day one starter that nfl's next gen stats quantifies as elite the giants need to find someone who's going to get after the quarterback make him rush his throws and thibodeau is the perfect absolute perfect fit for an in-your-face wink martindale defense he is long, he's strong, and he's got the speed to close in on a ball carrier. And to me, Thibodeau is in a class of his own for edge rushers in this draft. I mean, the drop-off between him and George Karlofitis, Car- is that Greek? The, the next best edge rusher, on my board anyway, the drop-off between him and him, it was it was steep and it was noticeable. He ended up going to the Chiefs, by the way, George Karlofitis. Listen, you know, I, I've already heard the concerns that this whole, you know, the get-up of Thibodeau, his whole persona as a, a giant fan that I know even texted me right after he was drafted as he was still walking to the stage. Someone texted me Odell 2.0. I mean, his scouting report says that he lacks awareness and play recognition and, and Thibodeau, when he met with the media for the first time said that when the giants handed him the playbook on an iPad, he said, this is a quote. It was like the brand went out the window. The only thing I can think of now is the playbook and really get into it and dive into it and make sure that I know everything I can going into training camp, end quote. You got to trust him on that, right? He's a Michael Strahan mentee. And Strahan, I'm paraphrasing, told him that he's got to keep his focus on football and everything else will open to him uh, after football. I think he's in good hands. I'm not particularly worried. And yes, I know the Giants made nine nine other picks this weekend. And we can talk about them if you'd like. And before I send this to a break, the grade I assess the Giants on their 2022 draft would be a B plus. You want to know why? I thought that they should have, in the words of the great Walt Clyde Frazier, been wheeling and dealing for Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa. Because according to the NFL, he was the eighth best player in this entire draft. And the Giants really have a need there as well. But hey, Maybe John Feliciano, or Feliciano in Italian, entering his eighth season in the league could be the guy. I just think that Linderbaum could have been the Giants center for the next decade plus. And we talked about this last week. There are zero players in this draft that the NFL labeled as having Pro Bowl talent. So for me, this draft was about quality over quantity. Therefore, according to the Pro Football Reference draft pick value chart, where Linderbaum was picked at 25 overall in Baltimore, it would have cost the Giants around a 36 and, a, and, and probably their 81st pick. So Wandale Robinson, who the NFL pegs as good backup with the potential to develop into a starter, and Cordell Flott, who the NFL says is average backup or special teamer. I mean, Linderbaum, by the way, is ranked by NFL Next Gen Stats as a 99 elite year one starter. I mean, that was a no-brainer move for me, and that's why I'm a tough grader, I told you. That's why I marked the Giants down to a B+, which is still good. So let's get it going. The Yankees have the best record in baseball. The Mets are about to start with the best record in the NL. Round one of Rangers-Penguins is set for Tuesday, and both our Jets and Giants hit home runs in the draft. Let's do it all. I've set the table for you. Can't wait to talk to you at 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan at Sunday dinner time on The Fan in New York City. Hey, welcome back to Danielle at Sunday dinner time here on The Fan in New York City. The Yankees have the best record in baseball. They are the hottest team as well, winning nine straight, three straight series. And the Mets are about to throw first pitch. And you know what? I know it's going to be May, but if you're a Mets fan, you have to be ecstatic about how your team has hit through the month of April. The Mets led the entire league in hits on base percentage. They were second in the league in contact percentage, and they were tied for third in the league in the lowest swinging strike percentage. And you know what? They're doing all the little things right, these Mets, and they always seem to manufacture runs. And that, to me, is exciting baseball. To me, that's a lineup that is constructed to win, dare I say it, deep into the postseason. And the Mets, uh, they produced their batting order. In this order, Nimmo in center, Lindor at short, McNeil in left, Alonzo cleaning up as the DH, Escobar, Dom Smith, Starling Marte in right, Luis Guillorme at second, Tomas Nito catching, and of course, Max Scherzer gets the start. You know what I- I've loved? About seeing the the Mets lineups sort over of the past couple days. There is no Robinson Cano. The guy hits 195 this season. And, and, and I can give you all the terrible stats that he's had. But I do want to get to your calls at 877-337-6666. If you have eyeballs, you know. But maybe you didn't know this. Just two of his hits so far this season have left the infield. Robbie Cano, don't you know, take a spot on the left bench. Let's go to the phones. 877-337-6666. Like I said, if you can't get through and you want to tweet me instead, it's at Coach MCCARTAN. Let's go first. The leadoff caller of the night is Sal in Valley Stream. You are up on the fan, Sal.
0: Danielle, it's been a while since I last heard you on the fan. It's great to hear you again.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Listen, I got got something on the Yankees today. You know, Mm -hmm. listen, amazing win by the Yankees. Nice job by Aaron Judge. It's, Two home runs today, I think, and just amazing by Aaron Judge to just get this home run, two home runs and win it for the Yankees. And I didn't see the whole game today, but I was really excited when I found out they won. One more thing, I also got something on the Mets, you know. They threw the first no-hitter, no, the second no-hitter on Friday night, and, listen, unbelievable. You know, Saturday I remember listening to Evan Roberts, Evan said he went to the game, I think it was on June 1st, 2012, and he remembers doing the Saturday show, and he was all emotional on the day he found out they got the
2: no-hitter. So what do you think about the no-hitter? Yeah, Danielle? that's a good question there, there. Sal. So, yeah, good question. I appreciate that. You know what? I, I was going back and forth on this pretty much since it happened. Okay, I know that technically there were no-hits, right? I, 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 right. But for me, it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I know I'm going to get slammed on Twitter for this. But you know what? I'd like to focus on the catcher. This is a catcher that called this combined no-hitter with, what, five different pitchers. And I, and I think he, I mean, he, he took the home play home that night. He asked for it and he got it, which that no-hitter, I'm going to attribute to James McCann, it's tough for me to say, like, to me, I think no-hitters are when a pitcher dominates a lineup for a sustained amount through the entire game. Yes, the Mets did not allow a hit, but to me, I think there's a difference. I'm sorry. Steven Hicksville, you're up next on The Fan.
4: Um, Yeah, first of all, Danielle, great job. Love your opening. Thank you. I um, want to talk about football draft just sure. a second, then we'll go to baseball. Uh-huh. Um. I agree with your, your summation of, of the Giants. I rated it as a B, and I think your assessment of the center yeah. position that they should have gone after and traded up because I think their lower picks were unexciting, I'm not sure what they were doing. I mean, I Thibodeau's okay. Their other picks didn't pull me over, um, where the Jets really knocked it out of the park. On baseball, I, th- yeah, I was going gonna... well, Oh, I'm sorry. See,
2: that's okay. I just think that, that that is the consensus, that the Jets did knock it out of the park. I would have liked, like you said, the Giants to jump up and grab that center because this was not a deep draft, really, at any position, really, besides wide receiver, I guess. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Um on baseball quickly. You know, it's funny. I, I had a couple of comments. I'm more of a Yankee giant fan, but I follow New York sports. Mm-hmm. I was. I really wanted to complain about something. But how can you complain about both teams when they're in first place in their division? You can't really say much. First place, you can't no, really not talk even, much
2: about their Steve, with, not even the divisions. The AL belongs to the Yankees and the NL belongs to the Mets. I mean, really.
4: But I'm concerned about Judge and what happens at the end of the season. I know we got a whole year to play, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they could make the World Series, and he looks locked in, just as Sal said. He looks great at the plate. I mean, today he just looked locked in. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, I'm really worried about what happens at the end of the season because I'm just not sure the Yankees are going to be able to get it done. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, Steve, that's going to be a question that we're going to ponder for the next couple months here. Um, And you know what? Crazy that, that Aaron Judge said in the postgame to Brian Hoke, who was on the field with him uh, right after the game. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said he, ha- he hasn't gotten his swing down yet. I mean, hasn't gotten his he, – and he mentioned that he struck out twice. Guy hits two home runs, three RBIs, and says, yeah, you know, my, my swing, and I struck out twice. Come on. I mean, really. So, again, Aaron Judge is locked in for sure. He doesn't – he's being coy there. Uh, and what do they do with him after the end of the season? I can't see the Yankees allowing him to walk. And I think, you know what? Sometimes the players gamble on themselves and they make it pay off. So I think that Aaron Judge gambled on himself and will be making a a handsome dollar amount, making some handsome paychecks paid by for by the Yankees uh at the end of this season. I think he will be a Yankee for life at a much higher dollar amount. And that was a, a gamble that he that he made and a gamble that Brian Cashman made. And to me, it looks like at this at this juncture, right now, uh, May first, Aaron Judge is the winner of that bet. Dave in Westchester, you're up next on the fan.
5: Hey Danielle, how you doing? How's everything going? I'm Hear good. Your voice. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Working hard. Good. Question: When is your softball game?
2: Which one? The one that they, uh, I think, a Boomers team. They have it already. What's coming up? No, I, I guess they. I, last I heard, it was going to be the end of June. So I, I don't know. Okay, I'm looking
5: for. I'm looking for, I'm a little insulted that, that someone said you were an automatic out. But talking about <laughs> a automatic out, Mr. Cano.
2: Nice segue. Oh. I love that. You have a career in radio. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I got the face for radio, believe me. <laughs> um Mr. Cano is yeah. still there because the team you know, when the team's doing great, it covers it right. it covers for him. Right. But what are your thoughts and I'll hang up and I'll listen. You did a great job today, by the way, your intro. Thank um, you. Um what's gonna happen? I mean $24 million for an automatic out. And I, listen, I love the Mets. They're doing, I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm so happy they're doing well. Mm-hmm. And it's because Mr. Buck Shaw, Walter, mm-hmm. I love that guy. I mean, he, they, the Yankees did him dirty back in 96. But guess what? What comes around, goes around. What are your thoughts about Cano? Once If the team slides a little bit and they're going to count on Cano and he starts to be an automatic out, yeah. you think they'll let him go?
2: Well, Dave, that's a good, yeah. Dave, that's a good question, and and what to do with Cano? I mean, I know the rosters get trimmed down. I'm looking at his salary right now. I mean, his base salary for this season is 24 million. His base salary for just for next season is 24 million. He's got a full no trade clause. You can't trade him anyway because he's worth nothing. What is he worth? A bag, of, a bucket of balls? I mean, what are you going to trade him for? Nothing. I would just hate to see him. Uh, you know, taking up this roster spot uh, on a team where he's not contributing. And I don't foresee, like, like and call me, you know, I think Joey Gallo has been down, but this past week he has been trending upwards before he got hurt. He can still contribute, especially in the field. Robinson Cano, in my opinion, can't contribute. He can't contribute. He's done. I think he's done for. You know, pack it in. The, I think the best case scenario for this Mets team and, and this Mets owner is to say, here, Here's a check for the remaining balance, buddy. See ya. Or, at that point, I guess, and or at that point, you say, hey, you, you know, you're a great presence uh, for the, you know, great mentor, great presence on the, the bench. Here's, we're gonna pay you, but, but you're gonna be a coach now, and you're not gonna play anymore. I mean, maybe that's is that plausible? I don't know, but at the very least, I think they you gotta say good, goodbye to Cano. I think he's um, at this point clogging up the roster uh, for guys all over that field. That's what I think. What they should do with uh, with him, anyway. Richard in Manhattan, you're up next on the fan.
6: Hi, Danielle. Danielle, you're a school teacher, right? During the week, sure. Wow, you know I'm a 67 years old, and I remembered every kindergarten to elementary school teacher I had from 1960 to 1967. I remember every name.
2: Oh, big impacts.
6: Yep. All right. What do you got for me? Name. Rizzo made one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. The infield is drawn in. Rizzo's at 30, broke on the hit to the shortstop, Mm -hmm. and he scored Mm -hmm. easily. The the shortstop fumbled the ball a little bit, but not much. He was in, Mm -hmm. and Rizzo beat the play easily. And he's not a real fast guy. He's just a smart, heady ball player. The guy is great. Now, here's my big point. Analytics. I never agree with it, but I do understand it. For the last 15 years, they've come up with this thing, first and second, nobody out. You don't bunt. You don't give up and out. Mm -hmm. Yankees had that opportunity in the top of the sixth before they had the seventh inning when they went ahead. But in the sixth inning, they had first and second, nobody out. Torres is up. Now, when baseball, during those 15 years... Batting average was 260, right? Batting averages were 260 between the last 15 years and up until last year. Plus, home runs were astronomical, correct? They did something with the ball this year. You have to factor that in. Right now, batting averages are not 260, 238. Home runs are down. How can you say that you don't bunt anymore with first and second nobody out because you don't want to give, out it, give up an out? The batting averages are down, the home runs are down. It's more feasible to bunt, make them field the ball, maybe sure. they'll throw
2: Yeah. R- Richard, I'm with you. I, I-, I like that. I like that, that-, that kind of baseball. Bunt the runners over, manufacture runs. I get it. I, I do. And I'm not sure why it doesn't happen more often. I-, I really don't have a real explanation for that. I'm not I'm not in the in the clubhouse filling out the, the-, the lineup card. Um, The Mets, by the way, Max Scherzer, uh, City Field. I have it on mute, but City Field, you can feel the excitement coming through. Shut them down the first half of the inning. And by the way, uh, a little bit of breaking news. If you're a Rangers fan, Artemi Panarin told reporters after practice, this is a quote, I feel the best I have all year. I'm ready to go. Emotions are pretty high. I'm just excited. And then, of course, if in your head everything is right, your body feels better. Artemi Panarin will be playing on Tuesday. In game one against the Penguins. And we will do some hockey stuff tonight, too. Definitely. For sure. New York City's a Rangers town uh, moving forward. Uh, Vinny in Long Island. You're up on the fan.
7: Hey, I just want to say uh, my wife's a teacher. I got a lot of respect for what you guys do. Thank you. Um, I want to say happy birthday to my nephew, TJ. The Yankees are red hot. Um, Every April, we got to hear about how great the Mets do. Unfortunately for them. 162-game season. Um, until they, you know, retaliate against what happened in 2000, Yankees will forever own New York as a baseball town. Um, at the end of the day, we're coming of age with the lineup we have. It's the best in baseball. Yeah, we hit a lot of home runs, but they do have the, the you know, singles and doubles hitters, yeah. and DJ LeMay, you and, uh, well, Isaiah and, Kiner-Falefa, and, and, Kiner
2: really... that's the difference, Vinny, between last year and this year. I know DJ LeMayhew was on the team, on the roster last year. I get it. But he is has been playing, so they say, to the back back of his baseball card this season. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa also has been a big impact in here. And, and like you said, it, it's a better mix. It's a better jive of guys that hit the long ball and can get on base. Yes.
7: And we got Domingo Harmon coming getting healthy. Uh, we got Severino, who who could be, you know, uh, a twenty game winner. That's the form he was when he left. So I'm I'm excited. I, I think uh, you know we're built for the long term, and um, you know I think the Mets fans really need to pay attention to what's going on here.
1: You
2: Thank know, you. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks, Vinny. And the one thing that um, I guess would kind of scare me if I were the Yankees right now, uh, the closing situation. Uh, I don't trust the role of Chapman. We talked about it, I think, every week so far. that, And now they're starting to say it on the broadcast, if you notice, on the Yes Network, that he is more of a, more of a, a, a thrower than a pitcher. And, and he has to start to learn how to become more of a pitcher. Um, and, and it's going to take some time, I guess. You know, the fastball, everybody else, you know, he throws a, a fast fastball over 100 miles an hour. Well, guess what? The league is caught up. So, our oldest Chapman throughout the, this early goings needs to figure out how to become more of a pitcher and, uh, and and less of a thrower. So, up next to evaluate the Giants 2022 draft class Super Bowl champ with the Giants and current digital host of, uh, for, I guess, the New York Giants and of the New York Post Sports, Brandon London. I am Danielle McCartin, and we'll be right back here on The Fan. Welcome back to Danielle McCartin at Sunday dinner time here on The Fan. Right now, to evaluate the Giants 2022 draft class Super Bowl champ with the Giants, current digital host for NewYorkGiants.com and New York Post Sports, Brandon London. Brandon, what's up?
8: Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me on.
2: All right, Brandon. I first got to ask, how was the big draft party at MetLife Stadium?
8: Oh, it was a great time. You know, you could tell the people really missed their football. You could tell they really wanted to. Kind of go at it in person rather than on Twitter and on social media and stuff because it was definitely a, like a battle between the Giants fans, Big Blue Nation, and uh, and and Game Green with the Jets fans. But it was it was it was super cool just in the sense of they them doing their chants. You know, let's go Giants Jets. Mm-hmm. You got a sense of people. Uh, really miss and are, and are excited about this upcoming season.
2: And they split the they split the turf in half half Giants, half Jets. That, that had to have been interesting.
8: Yeah, it was super cool, and I uh, uh, got a chance to, uh, to uh, MC it with their MC host as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we kind of joined forces. And, and they when Sauce Gardner called in, and uh, they did an interview on their end. I interviewed uh, Aziz Ojalari and O'Shane Zimenez. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun, you know, in that sense. Um, and, again, I, I keep talking about the fans. Like, they had a great time the, the entire time. And then when the picks hit, you could tell everyone was, was super excited and um, that was pretty cool, you know.
2: More exciting than any part in the season, I'm sure. I, I got to get there next year. All right, so let's talk about this 2022 draft class. Professor London, could you assign the Giants a grade on how they did? <laughs>
8: Uh, I'm I'm not a big, like a gray guy in that sense, you know, because I'm no expert or anything. I can just say that it looks like, uh, Joe Shane and and those guys, they, they really addressed what was needed. You know, they upgraded, they really hit on those two, those two picks, you know, so much speculation. Uh, when I'm talking about the first round picks, but so much speculation about where they're going to trade back or what they were going to do with it. They, They both the picks that they had with Evan Neal and uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, you feel as though that you're going to get day one, day one success, you know, a player who's going to yes. come in and have success. And then, you know, you see them, some of the players picked up in the later rounds. You know, you, you just, you you like to see, and you see Giants fans excited about everything and, and how it went down. But, uh, I would say Joe Shane and those guys, I, I would definitely give them, you know, you definitely got to give them A minus, you know, A minus, super strong B plus, you mm-hmm. know, and it depends on where you're grading. And now it's just one of those things where I can't wait till rookie camp so you can first, so you can get some sort of like live eval of them. watching the journey start between these guys, for these guys.
2: B plus, I said the same thing. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, we'll talk about him first. He was picked first for the Giants. Um, in a wink, Martindale defensive scheme, Brennan, you played at the NFL level. What could you say? How would that look like? Uh,
8: you, I would, I would imagine being able, him being able to 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 be free. Sort of, it, obviously, there's going to be some sort of discipline in, in his rush lanes, but it, allowing him to get like get his one on ones, you know, on the edge. And uh, because you have guys like Leonard Williams in the interior and you got uh, Aziz on the outside and you, you would like to see, you can't wait to you get super excited about the year-two jump that Aziz Azulari, uh, Azulari could be having as well. So uh, when you think of like a weak Martinelle defense, when you're talking blitzing and bringing guys, that's going to allow a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau to get his, use his athleticism, his length in that sense. So, uh, I said it on Giants. dot com when we when we uh, when we did the live hit. I told uh, Paul Dutino, I said he's got to get off like OC. He's got the personality of Mike Strahan, you know, in, the, in that sense. So we're really excited to see him come to New York, and I'm really uh, anxious to see him get out there and start his journey as a Giant.
2: You know, he is a Strahan mentee, for anybody who didn't know that, in a way. Um, A lot of Giants fans are concerned about his extracurricular things, his brand. I mean, you've been in locker rooms, Brandon. How concerned should fans be about that?
8: Mind their business on that. That's why you like people. That's why people, you know, it's one thing for someone to play well, you know, but if he's really part of what could be a turnaround and he's having fun and he's making football fun for New York, those are the people, the people who want to be loud about it now are going to be the first ones that are in line, you know, trying to get autographs and, you know, that sense. And, you know, oh, acting like he's their big, you know, he's their buddy, you know, all along, you know. That's one of those things. You don't tell someone how what to be or tell someone how to handle something in that sense. The NFL is a different journey for all of us. It's a different love for all of us It's in terms of that fraternity, of guys who played in the nfl so it's one of those things like 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 who are you or any not saying yeah, like you yeah, yeah. i'm just saying like it, it's like who are you to tell someone on their draft night like uh, like how they should you, know, you you okay now you're in new york you shouldn't be like this you just all you got to do is play football like Mike Strahan told me in my rookie year when i was asking him about doing some modeling stuff and, and getting trying to get involved with tv and that was me as a practice squad guy, you know, asking Strahan about, you know, advice on stuff. He said, as long as you take care of the football first, everything's going to come into play. And that's what that's what New York is. As long as he's playing football, he's him being him, that charisma or whatever, that's going to shine. You know, he seems like a likable guy in that sense. His brain is going to pop. for people, to wrap it up, just some people, I hear that narrative all the time. And it's just like, shut, let the kid play, man. Let him play. Let him prove himself before everyone's like, oh, his brain might, like, just let the kid play.
2: You're listening to Giant's Draft Talk with Brandon London on the fan. Uh, Joe Shane was asked if the O-line will finally be fixed, and he said, this is a quote, we haven't been in pads yet, but tell me, Brandon, will I be finished taking calls here on the fan of people complaining how terrible the O-line is?
8: Oh, uh, it's a it's a wait and see thing, you know. Like I'm, not, I can't be one of those people who are like, oh, it's going to be like this because mm-hmm. then who knows what can happen or who know you know who knows what guys look like. But you just like you you would like to think from all the the research we've all done on the Evan McNeil, on the uh, uh, Marcus McKeithman out of, of North Carolina. You 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 want these guys? To, you're hoping these guys come in, stay healthy, pan out. And can, you know, but you, you, when you talk about rookies, it's like you see things like, you know, you, 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 oh, man, look at that dude. He's a rookie. But then sometimes he has moments where it's like, ah, he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. So you, you're hoping that these guys catch on. And, you know, they have those big moments where it's like, hey, you got a super, you know, uh, you got a great pick. In terms of day one, really good NFL NFL ready guy, mm-hmm. and that's what you think, you know, out of the Evan McNeil, Evan Neal, because that's Al. He's coming from an Alabama program from a, a Nick Saban. When those guys, they step in, they're NFL ready, you know, day one, usually at that time. So you you really think, I, you hope that the offensive line is so. Not, I I don't even want to say fix. You just want to see progress. Right. You know, a strong progression in that sense because you want to see what you have in Daniel Jones and you want to see what Saquon can do, you know, back where there being holes and running lanes, that consistent holes and running lanes in that sense. So uh, I think he did a great job, you know, addressing it. Now it's it's like my dad used to tell me as a kid, I'm like Missouri, the show me state. It's time for these guys to go out and, you know, show the, the front office, show the Giants fans that they can come out, they can compete, they can play and turn this thing around.
2: Talking about Brandon London on the fan, you know, you brought the both names up that I did want to ask you about. What is a fair expectation from Jan- Daniel Jones this upcoming season?
8: I don't even want to say Pro Bowl because the I don't want to even put Pro Bowl expectations or anything on that kid, you know, going into this year. If you think about it, if you're Daniel Jones, this is your epic F- moment, you know, this is your... You, you, you know, like, the, the the cool meme where it's got, like, the white guy with the shades and the and the do-rag. It's this Daniel Jones with the do-rag and uh, the cornrows with, the, the, like, the cigarette or whatever. Like, this is his epic moment right now to where it's like either I, I don't know where I'm going to be, but this is that year to show that I'm an NFL starter, I'm an NFL backup, I get, I command this amount of money, I can get this amount. So that you might as well just go in this year and just be, like, I'm going to go ball. I'm going to go have fun with the game that I love playing, the game that I've had a lot of success with, you know, and now you're excited about a Mike Kafka coming in or Brian and Dable because of what he's done with uh, Josh Allen and and Kafka having hands on with Patrick Mahomes. Like it, it all looks good, you know, it all looks good for him on paper. So if I'm him, you know, you're excited about the on-paper part. Now it's like, you know what, bleep it. Let me go out there let me have fun with this and let me go ball out, you know, because I got still got a lot of football left in my career and my journey.
2: And is it the same for Saquon Barkley?
8: Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you you remember the other day the depressor that he did when he was like uh, I want to kill somebody like I feel like I'm gonna kill. like I I like obviously people ran with that you know of a soundbite this soundbite that but I you can feel something when he's talking like that you know you know you can tell it's like you know what I I hear the noise you know and all, all the only way I can really tell y'all to to shut the bleep up in terms of the media the the people the haters the critics the only way I can like really tell y'all shut the bleep up is by going out there and putting pain on people, you know, going out there, playing football, big runs, scoring touchdowns, running through people, inflicting pain. And it's like, cause I can't punch the media. I can't take that camera and smash it. I can't punch that person on the other side, that bot on on Twitter or whatever. That, that's the loudest thing that gets the retweet yeah. the West Steinberg uh, profile, uh, Twitter page or whatever. And then people go in on that on that narrative, you know. So I'm gonna just run through some tackles and through through some grown men because I can't get to you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. what I felt yeah. from him when I heard that. And it's like again, you hope that now the GM and you know talking about Bill's Parcells, you hope this GM came in and brought in the right groceries in order for him to go out there and put his, and put get Saquon in the position to go and run through people and all so the fans can get happy. And now everybody's happy, you know, football, the love story, you know?
2: Well, a return to form would be quite welcome for Saquon Barkley for Giants fans and himself. Um, the reason why I, I, I had the Giants at an A and then I woke up the next day and I was like, well, they didn't do this. It's going to be a B plus. Um, I thought that the, this is, first of all, I think this is a, not me, the NFL you know the way that they grade out these guys this is this was a weak draft class and i for me it was more quality than quantity and i would have i'll tell you right now i would have would you have traded up to pick the center tyler linderbaum
8: uh oh uh no i and and the only reason i say that and i sound i sound terrible but because of the measurables I would have thought that he would have slid down, you know, into that second round draft pick mm-hmm. that the Giants had, um, or, or or traded up in the second round for him. He, they needed those picks, you know. He, they, I think uh, I think they did a great job with keeping those, uh, you know, keeping those picks and, and being able to get quality in those picks in that sense. So, uh, no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of cool with them doing uh, doing that, but the Ravens got a heck of a player, though, for sure.
2: Brandon London, host for New York's Post Sports Digital, is with us on the fan. Um, everyone knows about the salary crunch uh, that the, this regime has inherited. Ultimately, I mean, what do you think with some about some key veterans on the team? Because I did some research, 34% of the Giants' cap room this season is in Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, Kenny Galladay. They're all fine players, but how many of them do you think will be Giants this upcoming season?
8: I think all of them, you know, I th- they didn't get the corner. I don't think they really got the corner they wanted in terms of having a CB1 going into this year for uh, uh, Wink Martindale. So I think that Joe Shane has said there are ways that they could uh, possibly do something with money or, uh, I mean, James Bradbury's contract to where he could possibly be here. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, obviously Kenny Galladay, you can't just cut him. Same thing with Leonard Williams. So those two, they're going to have to play in that sense as well. So Mm -hmm. I think with Bradbury, I think he's got some good – it looks kind of, you know, you you kind of hope that they they do something with his contract to where they can keep him here because after getting a cave on Thibodeau Thibodeau, and uh, having Aziz Ojalari and hoping he makes that Huge second year jump. Uh, You got to have a corner back there. You got to have corners back there in that set. So you hope to see James Bradbury back there, especially with the pass rush and Xavier McKinney over the top.
2: Brandon, final question here. Um, I just tallied it up. There are 11 rookie Giants drafted in this past draft. Um, You mentioned a few of them. There are a lot of young Giants on this team as well. What is your message to the guys that are just trying to make an impression on this brand new coaching staff, this brand new GM?
8: You're you're being const- you're constantly being evaluated. Like everything, everything's being evaluated. So while you're still having fun and all, and, and you're going through that journey, just know like every every day is an evaluation, one day evaluation. So just take 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 it all, take it all in, one day at a time, one play at a time, one rep at a time. One jog through at a time in that sense, because at the end, it's just football. You know, it's a high level of football. You have to be expected to be on point and be sharp. But by this time, and as you continue to go and grow, it's about techniques and reps and continuously, like, getting your hand placement right, doing the right things right on a consistent basis. So that's the best part about it is that journey of trying to learn, one, a new speed, kind of you know more intricacies to the game, like a deeper level of football in the x's and o's in that sense, but now it's like really it's really a battle now between consistently who can consistently do the x o's and y's while running four threes and being six five and stuff in that sense, you know what I'm saying yeah. like that's the best part about me being a coach's kid. That's how I look at football. You know, I don't, you know, the Giants, I'm a you know, fan of the Giants because, you know, my time with the Giants, but I don't really have a football team. I just watch because the X, O's, Y's, and like the little details within the game. So that's the best part about it, and uh, I'm excited for the season coming up.
2: Well, Brandon, thanks for joining us today, and many more uh, throughout the rest of the season. Thank you. I appreciate it. For sure. Thanks for having me. Of course and that was Super Bowl champion with the Giants and current digital host for NewYorkGiants.com and New York Post Sports Brandon London I've got a special send-off right here in my left hand for the Brooklyn Nets I know I know they got eliminated a while ago but this is the first time I've been on since they've been eliminated I've got my very special spe- send-off as only I Daniel McCartan can do up next here on the fan welcome back to Danielle at dinner time Well, oh, it's a little late for that how about we switch to McCartan before midnight here on the fan in New York City Um, since the last time I've talked to you, the Brooklyn Nets have been eliminated from the playoffs in a four-game sweep by the Boston Celtics. The Nets, who still can't seem to figure out how to play defense, and their coach, they spoke after the game uh, about the season. And I've compiled uh, some of the audio from those sessions, uh, courtesy of SNY, of course, into a special track That's going to play under or over what you're about to hear live right here in studio. I've got the same trumpet I've had since I've been in fourth grade. I haven't picked this up since I'm trying to think the last team that got eliminated from the postseason contention. I'm not even sure off the top of my head, but I haven't picked it up since then. Haven't practiced, just did it a little bit right here in the studio. Um, I'm about to send the Brooklyn Nets to the offseason honorably in the McCartan way. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. This is a, uh, it's a little rough on the on the commercial break. But here we go, everybody. I'm Danielle Card, and this is me and my same trumpet since I've had in fourth grade. Ready to send the nets off to the off season, honorably. Here we go.
9: We had
7: our expectations. Everybody had our expectations for us. A lot of stuff happened throughout the season. I felt like I was letting the team down at a point where I wasn't able to play. You know, we were trying to exercise every option for me to play, but I I never wanted to just be about me. It became a distraction at
8: times. We love your guys. You know, you care about them. You you go every day trying to help them, trying to put them in a position to grow and succeed and
2: come together. to, To have gone through everything that we went through this year, to have to... Say goodbye. It's tough. All right, Connor, what do you think?
10: I give it an A. A All right. I've never really seen anybody play trumpet other than you the couple times I've been here (laughs) when teams have been eliminated from the playoffs. So that's the best trumpet playing
2: I've ever seen in person, basically. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you to everybody listening. (laughs) <laughs> i getting some tweets already, getting some laughing tweets already. Well, Brooklyn Nets, what the future holds for them, no one really knows. Kyrie Irving said, he said, when I'm here to stay with Kev, I think that really entails us managing this franchise together, along with Joe Sy and Sean Marks. <laughs> well, I tell you right now, I don't like player managers. Play the game, let the guys in the suits, managing the franchise, make the decisions, and only give your input if asked. And as far as Coach Nash, who was completely over, overmatched in the playoffs, Durant said... Steve has been a Delta crazy hand over the last two years. He had to deal with so much stuff as a first-time coach, trades, injuries, COVID, and just a lot of stuff he had to deal with. Well, I'll I'll say right now today on uh, March uh, May 1st that that Steve Nash is going to be the sacrificial lamb. He is going to be the scapegoat to all of this. In any event, the Knicks and Nets are watching the rest of the playoffs from their couches, Paul M. Connell on Twitter says, A plus, Danielle, great job as always. Well, that's two A pluses. That makes me feel a lot better. To the phones we go in the order that you called, of course. Kevin in Camden, you are up on the fan. What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh I want to talk about the Giants and Jet Straps. Yeah.
11: Uh, for the Giants, I mean, I, I, I predicted I wanted to on the Giants. We got them. Think it's going to help the pass rush immensely. We need that because we, we basically had none, and Lorenzo Carter's leaving, so we need to replace a little bit of that. I'm I'm, lo- I'm loving it' being here, and Evan Neal. Listen, you get Andrew Thomas on the left side and Neal on the right. I mean, it's not it's not a finished product by any means, but I'm feeling a lot better about the soul line. And for the most of the draft, I was good with the most of it. The one question mark I do have about the Giants that um, the wide receiver from Kentucky. Um, I would have personally taken Sky Moore. I mean, he was still available. Mm. Uh, he's, I think, he's a lot better. I, I, I'm not trying to disrespect the guy that we got, but I mean, Kentucky's not exactly known for football. Mm. So, I mean, I mean, Daniel Jones. That was my first thought. Like in Daniel Jones in Kentucky, I'm thinking hey, maybe that's the connection. But uh, that's the only question I was really able about the Giants draft. As far as the Jets. Well, Kevin, um, the,
2: and, and the only question I had about the Giants' draft, I, th- I thought they did a pretty good job. But you heard me ask Brandon; uh, I, I would have traded up for for the center. That's that's. I mean, well, Linda
11: Lin, Lin, Lin Blum. Yeah, Lin, yeah. I I, I wanted to, but I was I was hoping he would slip. But and Nicobe <sighs> Dean. I'm I'm sorry. I know that he slipped all the way down because of a medical issue. I was hoping the Giants would take him, and he, he's he's going to go to Philly. Oh man, that's just. <laughs> Oh, that, that's gonna. I don't know if, he, if he's healthy. Mm, I'm he, not he's a game changer. Number. That guy's a game oh, changer. I, I, know, I, I was hoping he was put to us, but I'm like, ah. Then I mean, he goes to Philly of all places. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Mm-hmm. And as far as the Jets, um, Sauce Gardner. You know, I, I'm okay with that. I would have taken a, offense, uh, offensive tackle in the first round to get some protection for um, Wilson, but I'm alright with Gardner. I, I, I would have taken. A t- I would have taken. I mean, Neil was. Neil was would have been available for the Jets. I would have taken that. Um, I'm okay. I love uh, Johnson, that defensive end yes. uh, that we took at the end. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful. And, Wolf, uh, and Wilson, uh, the wide receiver.
2: I had Another. Olave graded higher. I did. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm okay
11: I'm okay with Wilson. I mean, it's going to be hard to say Wilson to Wilson. I mean, that's oh, going to be such a... Eh. But, no, I think the Jets stay over a wall well, pretty good. Um but I I I, I, don't, I didn't see the whole draft. So I don't know if the Jets took any lineman, but um, but I'm hoping that the uh, line protects Wilson and hopefully just get some wins because I'm and Giants because I'm just I'm just tired of losing constantly and it's it's such it's, it's so sad when the best fight of the year is for us now is the draft yes because our team stinks so bad that we're we're, <laughs> we're delirious for the draft. I mean we kind got to start winning, Scott. Both teams got to start winning. So hopefully we get in the right
2: direction. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. But. Kevin, awesome. And you know what? Rest assured, both of these teams are headed in the right direction. I think they – I mean, the, the Jets are the talk of the NFL. The Giants are not far behind. And um, you said Wilson to Wilson, and that's going to be a headache, right? But if you guys are looking for your like daily dose of like tweets that might make you laugh out loud on a regular – at Connor underscore Green 51. Connor, tell him what you tweeted about the Wilson to Wilson thing.
10: So I, I tweeted that the Jets do have Wilson to Wilson, and that makes me really excited. But now the Steelers <laughs> also have Pickett to Pickens. Kenny Pickett to George Pickens. George Pickens sort of sounds more like he should be a history teacher than an NFL football player. But I did watch his highlights. He's a terrific player. So Mr. Pickens might be great, and we'll have Pickett to Pickens, Wilson to Wilson, and then you responded and said they do play in the preseason, so there's a slight possibility that the stars align, and we get a Wilson to Wilson and a Pickett to Pickens on the same day in the preseason.
2: No, I don't think it's, I think it's regular season. It's a regular season game.
10: Is it regular? Okay, so well, even better.
2: Yeah, RIP to that announcing crew, that broadcasting crew. I think Wilson to Wilson is easier to do, but Pickett to Pickens, that's kind of tougher. It's like Pick the Pickle. Oof, uh, they better start practicing. He better figure out who that is, and they better start practicing. Marty in Westchester, you're up next on The Fan.
6: Yes, good evening, Daniel. Always good to talk to you. I'd like to talk about the giant uh, draft. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, Joe Schein addressed some very serious needs Mm -hmm. uh, with the uh, top two picks in the first round on the offensive line and defensive line. I'm very curious, though, about the tight end that they picked in in round four out of San Diego State, Uh, Daniel Bellinger. I don't know how highly he was rated. I really don't know a lot about him. Maybe you can uh, share some in- insight, but they definitely need an upgrade at tight end also. So I'm uh, curious as to how he's going to uh, pan out come fall.
2: Of all the guys, you worried about the tight end?
6: Well, they do need an upgrade at tight end, especially with Evan yeah. Ingram uh, no longer in the picture. Yeah, you're right.
2: You're right. I mean, for sure, yes. And And it's Daniel Bellinger. Tight end at a San Diego State. And Marty, thanks for the call. I'll give you a little insight on him now. Um, the NFL saying he, he's, first of all, he was picked round four, pick seven. So seventh pick of the fourth round. Uh, he's from Vegas. Look at that. I didn't know that. Uh, good backup with the potential to develop into a starter. Average, uh, says next gen stats. Uh, let's see. Uh patient and poised to getting to block fits. Well, that's good because the Giants haven't had a real good tight end blocker in a really long time. Um, technically sound when asked to help in pass protection. Okay, well that's that's also good because how many times have we talked about the Giants needing help in pass protection? Um I'm just kind of picking and choosing what I think uh, out of the scouting report here. Um Yeah, well proportioned muscular. All right, so the guy seems like a, a more of a blocking old school type tight end. Um, than anything uh, field demeanor runs a little hot and cold average get off below average elusiveness after the catch. he sounds like a, a freight train, a runaway freight train. This guy He catches the ball and just keeps going down until he, <laughs> until he gets, until he gets taken down. Uh, but old school looks like a good blocker. Um, consistency has a run blocker as well. It says, so I, I think if you're a giant fan, um, I think this is a good pick. I think this is a good pick. Um, he was slated to go in the fourth. The Giants grabbed him in the fourth, and um, I, I think he'll be okay. I think he's going to be all right, especially um, I think Daniel Jones is going to love him. Maybe they will throw him out there with some 12 personnel. That's, that's two tight ends. Um, we'll see. Can we do one more before we do the break, do we think. Yeah, okay, good. All right, let's go, Rick, in Tampa. You were up <laughs> next on the fan.
12: Bella Ragazza. Daniel. <laughs> What's up, my dear? Long time. I have been waiting to talk to you. Say Hi. And um, uh, I'm glad you're on today. We, um, How are you? Everything good?
2: Yeah, I'm great. How are you?
12: Good, good, good. I, I have a couple things. You know, I want to end with the Rangers because we're getting ready to start Monday. But I, just props for the Yanks. I mean, unbelievable how, how well they're playing and well they're pitching. Yeah, it's hard to match how good the Mets have been playing, but we're actually doing it and we're actually thriving more. Yeah. Uh, so it's been it's been hitting and pitching. So it's been nothing but excitement. So I'm super excited about that. Giants picks. Come on, Thebado. Thib- he is going to be. He has personality and is going to be awesome. I love that pick and I love Neil. Both were first, uh, first uh, top picks in the yeah. beginning of the season as well. Yep. And and come on, who blocked for? Who blocked against all those Georgia linebackers and and defensive ends? Neal did. So it's it's I'm super excited. Is uh, I, I I mean and I, and I agree though. I would have loved to see him trade at the end of the set, first round to come back and catch uh, Lindholm yeah, the uh, center. That would have been a good move. Yep. Oh, that Lind right. That would have been good. I I agree with that. But overall phenomenal. Now
2: Rangers. Well, wait, Rick. Before you before you move on there, Evan Neal. He he was. The NFL scored him as the third best player overall in the draft. The Giants got him at what seven, and then Kayvon Thibodeau, right. fifth best player in the draft. The Giants got him at five. Awesome, right? A lot to right. be happy about, and, yeah.
12: And in uh, nine months ago, they were they went back and forth and one and two, one and two. So I mean, I, I couldn't be. I mean, oh my! And his enthusiasm with the kid who had the heart transplant. Oh yeah. I mean what. think about it. LT, Michael Strahan. We have personalities on the defensive end. We (laughs) have a guy who's coming in. I don't care. That's not baggage he's carrying. He's carrying confidence. Let him go get it. I love it. How could you not? You know, it is great. So I'm super excited. Super excited. Can't wait. But all right, real quick, Danielle, because I know um, I wanted to talk a little hockey because right now, now I got to ask you a question. Right now, first of all, we're playing Pittsburgh. and you made a what's that tweet you said the other, uh, yesterday or today something about you're going to make a comment regarding after the third game on uh, um, the third game what
2: was that about? Uh, oh no, I'm going to be wearing. i um, next Saturday. I'm on after game three. I'm going to be wearing my Henrik Lundqvist jersey. All
12: right. Good. Okay. Cool. All <laughs> right. Good. <laughs> because uh, we're playing Pittsburgh, yeah. and it's a team good beat. Now I have a question for you because I'm watching the jockeying of positions, and you know me down here with the Lightning, who are yep are great and and they have been sleepwalking they're ready to go now does this now i have a question for you. does it change in seeds after this round because does Tampa? i didn't want them in our in our in our section if we win against pittsburgh and, and they beat toronto is there any do they have to play florida or is there any kind of shifting going to go on where they would tampa would fall and have to play us or anything like that or um is it they're going to be them playing Florida if we win if we beat Pittsburgh we're going to play Carolina and then we'll meet in the finals to go to the Stanley Cup is that how it's going to work
2: Yeah so what's going to happen no is No, yeah, that's what I mean. Right? Yeah, Rick, I got to I got to let you go cuz I'm up oh. against it but I- I'll t- explain well, it one second, Rick. Uh it's a uh, unlike previous years the winners of each round will be reseeded after the first and second round. So therefore the teams that play one another after each round depends on how each team is seated. So Welcome back to McCarton before midnight on the Fan here in New York City. I'm with you till 10 p.m. Lori Rubinson comes your way. Then, um, if you've got me on the radio and you've got the Mets Sunday night baseball on mute, well, thank you. Sending your setup of that. The Mets are leading the Phillies two to one. They're in the bottom of the third. Oh, listen, I listen all the time. Every calls in, the, why did you ruin the score? I have it on DVR. Like, listen, it, it's 2022. If you are watching games on DVR and expecting not the, the score not to get ruined, I, I don't know what to tell you. My cousin who lives in Tampa, is the same way with the Tampa Bay Lightning and all the Tampa Bay teams. I can't even text him during a Yankee game to talk some trash to him because he's like, oh, I got kids. I have to DVR it. I'm like, come on, man. But um, the way that uh, when I was on the phone with Brendan London, Kyle Schwarber hit a home run to uh, center field. And it seems as though in the second inning, I got kind of wrapped in that conversation. But in the second inning, it looks as though the Mets have had manufactured uh, their two runs in that bottom of the second Sterling Mar- Starling Marte grounded out um Eduardo Escobar scored and then Luis Guillerme doubled home Dom Smith so that's how the two runs scored for the Mets uh right now it is again two one they're in the bottom of the third it's a quick game isn't it uh, today I was home like the Yankees and the uh oh, and, the, and the Yankees and the Royals I was home. It was like an hour and 10 minutes. They were through four innings. I was like, oh, my God, I got to get dressed and leave. I got to get out of here. Of course, the George Washington Bridge, the traffic was red, you know, on the map, red. Uh, But I made it here. It's all good. I made it here early, actually. So, Because what happened was I was going through the toll booth on the George Washington Bridge in bumper-to-bumper traffic all the way from Englewood. And uh, it was the seventh inning, and that was the big seventh inning. That bought me some time. That did buy me some time. I made it here early, and here we are. I'm with you until 10 p.m., if you want to tweet me, at Coach MCCARTAN, Instagram as well, or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I'm on all three. Uh, and Jeff McNeil just blooped a single into center field. And the Mets have a two-out rally potentially going. Let's go to Rob in Bayside. You're up on the fan, Rob. Go ahead. Yeah,
13: I have a couple of uh, Yankee and Met- Mets points. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. But first I want to give you a complimento. Seven eight months ago, before the foot, around the beginning of the football season, mm-hmm. you recommended an Italian restaurant on the Lower East Side, gnocchi Ria. gnocchi Ria. did you go? I I put it in my memory bank. Yeah. Two weeks I went. I went two weeks ago. I went there. The best gnocchi in New York.
2: Yes, I told you. I know my Italian food there, Rob. I
13: I know you're well versed in, in all things Italian, even though you don't have an Italian name. <laughs> well,
2: I, the grandmothers were Italian. I'm fifty fifty. <laughs>
13: Oh, really? Oh, good. That's good. Well, t- tonight, Stanley Tucci, uh, 9 o'clock on CNN. Oh, it started Search- up again? S- searching for Italy, the first one. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, I got a DVR. The, n-
13: the new season. Yeah, He's in yeah. Venice. He's in Venice tonight. Oh, anyway, It's
2: probably a lot of risotto up there and, and uh, then seafood.
13: A very a very quick Met point before I get to the Yankees. Sure. That guy who said that the Yankees did Buck show Walter bad in 1995 when they fired him. You were a young girl then. But let me say, without going through the details, I want to move on to the Yankees. Buck Showalter single-handedly blew that series for the Yankees. Now, let me say one other thing about Robbie Cano. You're absolutely right about all the stats. But from what I've heard, he's great in the clubhouse, and all the young Hispanic players love him, and he mentors them. So he does have some value. So
2: they make him a coach, man. $24 million a year to be a mentor? Come on.
13: All right, you're right. Now, now, just briefly on the Yankees. There's three differences of why the Yankees are much better than last year. I, uh, I mean, um, Anthony Rizzo got off to a good start last year, came down with COVID, and in, in the middle of the year, he was never the same afterwards yes. in the second half. Yep. You, know, you know, with COVID, you stay, you stay weak for like a month or two. And that's what happened last year. J.D. LeMayo, two years ago, won the batting title. Last year, he was nicked and injured almost a whole year. And now you're seeing the real healthy LeMayo. And number three is for two years, Luis Severino was not healthy, mm-hmm. and he's finally healthy this year. And you know his upside. Sure. Those are the three differences of why they're much better. Plus, they've added speed. That's, with, uh, that to with,
2: me, Rob, is the biggest difference. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you got Lo Castro laying out for balls in left field. He's, the, I think, the fastest guy, sprint speed in in Major League Baseball. So they
13: say Lo Castro is the fastest guy on the team.
2: Yeah, uh, fast guy, I think in the league actually. Well,
13: I say, they've 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 added a couple of guys who put that bat on a ball. That was the problem last year. Yep. uh, uh Kiner-Falefa. Yeah, uh, and and. Donaldson's a professional hitter. he puts his bat on the ball. They got rid of the strikeout machine, Sanchez. Yep. So th- that's why those three reasons, they're a lot better this year than last year.
2: Yeah, and Rob, I'm, I'm with you on, on all of that. You know, it's, it's a more balanced lineup, definitely, for sure. Uh, today, during the game, Josh Donaldson had, I think it was 13 walks when they showed the graphic, which was, I think, second or third highest in the league. I mean, that's a guy that just gets on base, man. He, he strikes out a ton. And he does. And his third base uh, isn't the best. Um, What I've noted from him is, you know, instead of, and I I preach it to my players all the time, you got to get in front of the ball. you got to move your body, move your feet, and get in front of the ball. You should be fielding the ball on the midline of your body, which is basically your belly button up and down. He doesn't do that often. He'll kind of ole the ball to each side, which bothers me. um, Because you know there's going to be one time where – it's going to be a crucial point in the game and that happens. Uh, so, you know, work on that. I was at the stadium and I did observe him with my own eyes. They had a, a, a coach. I think he was just throwing it. I don't know if he was hitting into it, but he was definitely fielding uh, short hops, repetitive, short, hop, short, hops, short hops, like right in front of me. I almost, I almost feel like I should have asked him about it, you know, grabbed him as he was getting off and said, Hey, you know, tell me about this, you know? So he was, he, I mean, he is working on it. He is a guy that does work on his defense is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, he walks a lot. He strikes out a lot. And that's that's it's one of those guys. But I, I would agree that the Yankee lineup is a little bit more balanced now. Uh, definitely more so than last year, of course. And and the one thing I will say before we get back to the calls at 877 337 the one thing I will say is on, on that pass ball by Kyle Higashioka today that scored a run, I was like, Gary Sanchez can do that. Uh, it ended up not mattering in the game. And, and I think it was – um uh, Flash Flaherty. He was he said, "Wow, that was a a rare pass ball by Kyle Higashioka." Well, you know, no one's perfect, right? And he's been great um, defensively since he's taken over for uh, the basically the starting uh, starting gig since uh, Gary Sanchez went out. See ya, Gary Sanchez is in, in in a different city now, playing his home games in a different city. Let's go to Mitch, Mitch in East Windsor. Mitch, you're up on the fan. Hey,
14: doing, Daniel? How are you doing today?
2: I'm good. How are you? Pretty good.
14: Uh, good. Uh, draft by the Giants. Definitely like uh, the kenyon Kenyan a little pack 12 favorite. I thought they would go with Drake when he was other good wide receivers. I don't know about the the, the one from Kentucky, but they got to come in as a good offensive lineman. Uh, Neil from Alabama, that was good too.
2: That was that was um, that was a great pick. That was probably the best pick of the draft for them, in my opinion. Because it addressed well, a, it addressed a glaring need, and I know Kayvon Thibodeau, yes, 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 he's going to be a star. I'm telling you right now he's going to be a star in wink Martindale's defense
14: telling you he likes to talk. Hey, he's good talking to the media. I' only heard him twice and he's, he's really good <laughs> he's um, got a lot of charisma yeah, and they also drafted in no alignmentman, but I'm surprised uh Sam Howe uh, would been nice. any chance I know this. uh I know I think I know what the answer is Bega, I think Baker wind up in Seattle and they can't be serious with uh, the kid uh, they got from Denver. Any chance? Uh, I think Daniel Jones should be shown to do as soon as possible. And I know I like uh, Taylor, but I think Baker still is still a pretty good All right, so
2: what's the question? You're asking me if the Giants are going to move Daniel Jones for who?
14: We'll release Daniel Jones, Taylor would probably be the starter. Maybe compete with uh, Baker Mayfield.
2: Uh, Mitch, that will no? happen in maybe a, a parallel universe somewhere. No. I no, uh, uh-uh. it's not going to happen. Tyrod Taylor is a starter. It's not going to happen over Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield. No, mm, Daniel Jones, and and I've explained this. Where was I the other day? And I explained this. Oh, I was getting my hair cut yesterday to Vinny. I was telling my hairdresser Vinny and his mom, who also works there, owns the place. I said, listen, Dan, I, I was here on the fan when I put up, uh, like, uh. A graphic. It's NFL Next Gen stats. They made like a, a a grid, a quarterback grid, I think it's called, and it was measuring the 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 quarterback rating in like I think it's like twelve different zones on the field. I put with no names. I cut the names off. I love doing that to you. I, I put Daniel Jones is up there, and then I put um I, I all I told you was it was a playoff quarterbacks up there, and I said who are you picking quarterback A or quarterback B. Throughout the commercial break, I closely, intensely monitor it through Instagram and on Twitter. Instagram stories and on Twitter. Everybody was picking the Daniel Jones grid. And I was like, yes, everybody's playing right into my hand here. Then all of a sudden I come back from commercial and I explain, well, actually, the other the the two unnamed quarterbacks, one is Daniel Jones. The other one is Josh Allen. And then all of a sudden you saw, like, in live, all the the votes start switching. It's just amazing what a name recognition would do for you. I'm telling you, Daniel Jones, you, you want to draft a quarterback, what are you looking for? You're looking for size. You're looking for speed, the ability to break off runs, a big arm. I mean, he checks all of those boxes. The poor kid has had, what, three different systems that he's had to learn, including this upcoming season. I mean... How many different head coaches? It's just he has not, never been put in a position to succeed. Uh, in, in 2021, his offensive line pass blocked. At, they were 30th in the league. The year before that, they were last in the league in pass blocking. He didn't have a, a, a running back last year either. That was even a threat to come out of the backfield. So the odds were completely and utterly stacked against Daniel Jones. This year, okay, it's a new system, but there should not be any, any, As of today, April 1st, I mean, as of today, May 1st, I can never get this right. um, As of today, May 1st, there should be really no other excuses, in other words, uh, for Daniel Jones, other than the fact that he's got to learn yet another playbook. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I still have faith in Daniel Jones. I'm not moving him anywhere. Douglas, in the Bronx, you're up next on The Fan.
15: Hello, Danielle. Good
2: evening. (laughs) How are you, Douglas? (laughs) You're just talking about Daniel Jones, and
15: I pray he'll be healthy this season. That's also uh, yes. the best thing uh, he has to achieve because uh, I think he's, he could certainly prosper with the Giants. Um, by the way, it's an honor to appear on your trumpet show. This is the first time I've appeared <laughs> when you play the trumpet. I love it.
2: <laughs> I, I was a little yes. nervous today because I have really have not picked it up since, uh, since the last time, but it sounded all right, I think, right?
15: Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Now, one quick note about the Nets. You know, it's a party line that they say that the NBA regular season does not matter. But you think about the uh, net season as a whole, the shenanigans they went through, the behind-the-scenes soap opera. I mean, that cost them enough regular season games. They could have been the ones playing the Raptors in the first round. Yeah. Or if they were even better, they could have played Cleveland or Atlanta in the first round, not Boston. So it it's definitely all uh, cost them, and as we saw last week, uh, didn't even win a playoff game. Yeah. And when, so. they,
2: yeah, when they say, oh, the regular season doesn't matter, of course the regular season matters. Of course it does. And, and this Nets team had so many things to overcome, we get it. But it, when it came down to it, the two biggest stars on that team, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, could not and did not come through for that team. Did not win, no. as you said, did not win, did not win a single game. And by the way, just before you continue, Kyle Schwarber, is the new Mets killer officially just took Max Scherzer deep? It is. It is. It is. Uh, it's a two-run home run. Philly takes the lead over the Mets, three to two.
15: Mm. On to a base, another baseball note. Uh, did, did you catch the Yankees streaming? Have you enjoyed the experience? Uh, have you experienced the joys of live streaming uh, of recent? Because they were on Apple TV the other night, mm-hmm. and on, of course. They're on Amazon later this week. Uh, what do you think about all that? Uh, did it crash for you? No, <laughs> is, it, is it okay?
2: Yeah, No, it worked. Everything works. Uh, the picture quality is is for both of those services is outstanding. I feel like I'm there. Um, but, you know, uh, luckily for me, I, I do subscribe to Amazon. I do have Apple TV. And I can't imagine being someone who, A, you know, doesn't know how to access it, B, doesn't want to, like, doesn't want to access it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, my parents, Mm -hmm. I think of them. I think of the older people that the older Mm -hmm. baseball fans, it's just, it's a little bit difficult. And and for, for a sport that is like, I guess, dying for eyeballs, I'm not sure what they were thinking in, in, in spreading out all the games over all of these different platforms, honestly.
15: Yeah. They're trying to touch all the younger generations, but yeah, all the frustrations, especially with this new, these new streaming services for, for the Yankees, it's, like uh, like all my older relatives, like how do you hook this up yeah. or like uh, how, how do you, do you download this it? Do do? Yep. Yeah, and also the other problem is the connectivity. You know, before your leading up to your show tonight, they had a Warriors uh, Grizzlies game on ABC, but a lot of Sling TV customers uh, complained that their game got switched off. Mm. So I mean, still streaming is still. Uh, in its uh, infant stage, uh, and that they're trying to age. I I don't know, uh, as frustrating as it is now, at least it's accessible, um, I don't know if you had grown up two decades ago in a household with cable vision. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, Uh, cable vision, yeah. uh, To me, the worst battle was when the Yes Network and cable vision – uh were out for the entire two thousand two season. Yeah. That was brutal because there was no streaming at that point and that was the uh, that was the only option to watch Yankee games until they were on free T V, which wasn't uh often. Yeah. So Douglas, at least I, I think that's have...
2: yeah, I think that's what's happening, if I'm not mistaken, I've gotten some tweets and Douglas thanks for the call there. I've gotten some tweets I think, I believe, about Comcast and the Rangers, right? I think and MSG. I mean it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's just I wish I could just cut the cord entirely and still get, like, the five channels that I, like, have to watch. Yes Network, SNY, Bravo, MTV, and then, like, Live News, ESPN. Like, that's all I need. Really, that's all I need. I wish I could just do that a la carte. But, hey, you know, whatever. It doesn't exist yet. So, eventually, I guess it will. For for now, I'm going to have to continue to pay $201 to Altice One for one box. And no extra channels, just the sports package. You know, a question has been floated around a lot here. Which will be the first team to end the championship drought around here? You know, the Rangers. I don't know if you heard of them, but the Rangers have the next crack at it. The series against the Penguins starts Tuesday at the Garden officially. I'm Danielle McCartan, and let's do a Rangers playoff hockey check next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm with you till 10 p.m. Laurie Rubinson and the program. Will come your way then. During the commercial break, the Mets have tied it up, everybody. They are tied at Citi Field 3-3. to Dom Smith doubled home. Eduardo Escobar from second, I believe. Mm, that I'm not positive about. But anyway, Dom Smith had an RBI double. And it is tied now. 3-3 there in the bottom of the fourth out in Queens on Sunday Night Baseball. Shot a Buck Walter, in the dugout. Um, the lowest hard hit rate this season. The Mets. I'm not sure if they're talking about batting or pitching. I'm not sure about that. But I do have a fact for you from Anthony DeComo. He said there have been 17 multi-homer games by a player against the Mets over the past two seasons. 17. Five of them have belonged to Kyle Schwarber. By the way, we're only in the fourth inning. Five of them have belonged to Kyle Schwarber, including the only three-homer game on the list. Here's an idea. Here's an idea, Buck Showalter. I don't know if you're listening to the show or not. Welcome. Walk Schwarber for the rest of the game you know if the situation allows for it which most of the time it does you should walk him two home runs already tonight he's accounted for all of the the Phillies runs so far but hey it's a it, listen it's a good time for baseball the Mets if they pull this one off this will be their seventh series win in seven series. okay and also, news. I think it was yesterday afternoon or so. I don't, I don't know, but I saw it yesterday afternoon. The Rangers first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is set. Pittsburgh Pirates will be at the Garden on Tuesday night for Game One. I tried looking into tickets; they were like five hundred dollars each, and that was like last week. So, um, I think this is a pretty good time to do a quick little hockey check. For context, the Rangers lead the season series against the Penguins three to one and in those games they've outscored Pittsburgh 11 to 4. So a few things that I'm going to be watching throughout this season. Number 1, the Rangers and, and their allowance of second chance goals. They were one of the worst teams in the league in allowing scores off the rush. So that's the other th- and the other thing I'm watching is the goaltending matchups cuz Igor Shosturkin, you don't meet, need me to tell you that he has been the best goalie in the league. And here's the stat to back it up. He finished the season as the league leader in goals saved above expected. And in case you're wondering, it's 37.2. And 73% of Shesterkin's starts were labeled quality starts, quote-unquote. And I'm expecting more of the same from him. And the Rangers, quite frankly, need that sort of a performance from him. And on the other side, for the Penguins, they have no... Timetable for return on their regular season, you know, starting goalie. I mean, it's an injured right foot. You know how hockey is so, br- you know, broad and generic about the descriptions that they give. You're lucky you got that it's a foot and not like a, a lower body. I Me, mean, my my tra- her name is Rachel. We talk about this all the time. It could be like a you know season-ending hip surgery, and they'll be like, oh yeah, lower body, or you know. So we're lucky we got that it's a right foot. Anyway, it's probably going to be Casey. Uh, is it Casey Smith or Casey DeSmith? on Tuesday and and throughout the series. And, you know, this guy, he has been so wildly inconsistent. He's coming off the worst season of his career. This is and needs to be a major point of exploitation for the Rangers. And for that, all eyes are on Chris Kreider, who has tied for second with Adam Graves for the most goals scored in a single season in Rangers history. History. And the Rangers have a, a long one. They're one of the originals. And um, Kreider in, in today's NHL finished third in the entire league in, in scoring this regular season. So uh, my prediction, um, my prediction is the Rangers in six. I like the Rangers in six. I think uh, the longer this series goes, the the more it benefits the Rangers. I'm taking Rangers in six. And I've got a tweet from uh, um, Shaukat Hamadani. He said, Coach McCartan, there might be a trophy drought for the teams you care about, but New York doesn't have one. New York City FC, NYC FC, is the current MLS champs. Yeah, they are. Good for them. Let's go to Justin in Deer Park. You're up next on The Fan.
0: Uh, Great to be back, Daniel.
2: Ah, Great to have you back, Justin. What's up?
0: That's pretty much your take. I haven't heard anything all day. What is your take on the Giants' first two picks
3: of the draft? I love them.
2: I, I liked them. I did. And I and it, it was like Joe Shane, smartest guy in the room. Everybody's like, my, my initial reaction was like, oh, my God, they didn't take Evan Neal. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. They got Thibodeau in the meantime. And then they have their pick of one of the top three offensive linemen, Neal being one of them, and they picked the right one. So those first two picks, Justin, yeah, A+. Plus. Yeah, I love them. That's it? That's all you got for me, Justin?
0: Um, Yeah, also about your hockey picks. I'm sorry. I like Ray rangers in six. 100%. All right,
2: you know what? Just so everybody knows, I'm going to tweet it out there. And, Justin, thanks for the call. Glad to have you back. Uh, let's go to now Ray in Brooklyn. Ray, you're up. on a fan.
0: Hey, Danielle, nice
2: to talk to you again. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Good to have you back.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, so the last time we spoke, we, we touched, um, it, you know, it was amidst all of the, uh, um, you know, everything that was circulating with the Aaron Judge contract. And I know you briefly touched on it. I'll yeah. briefly touch on that sure. after I make the point on, like, um, the Yankees' keys to su- success this year. I think the main reason, you might have touched on it already, but LeMahieu, like, you know, and Severino, they've made Nobody has said this, but it's probably going to come down to they'll be in the top, you know, three or four in terms of like comeback players of the year. They're going to play a a major role in the Yankees uh, turn, you know, they turning it around earlier this season from earlier this season and going further than they have in the past. Um, so I'm not sure how you feel about that. And then with Chapman, I'm totally on board with you. I I, I don't trust this guy, even when he was at his best before the whole sticky stuff substance. Um, thing where he totally mentally lost it last year hasn't regained it. Even when he quote unquote had it, he managed to blow every big game in every big spot that there was. Even yeah. going back to the Cubs as well. So, I mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan.
2: Me neither. No, I am not either.
0: It's- yeah, and as far as um Aaron Judge, if you recall, I think you were on board. Like you kind of supported um you know him trying to, you know, trying to get what he can get. Well, right. Um, I mean, wouldn't
2: you, like, right? As a player, you, you know, here you've got a finite amount of time where you can go out and get what, you, what you're going to get, right? And so... Oh, my God, yes. Right? Yes,
0: of course. I'm totally on board with you and Aaron Judge for, for that matter. I mean, with Aaron Judge, look, there were plenty of morons out there when, you know, that were piling on him. Like, I can't believe these people were Yankee fans. Like I just can't believe maybe they were disguised as Yankee fans when they call how can you jump on the franchise like that and, you know, like uh put all that undue pressure on him. It's a good thing that Aaron Judge doesn't succumb to like, you know, outside noise and, and pressure. He's he's worth his weight in gold on and off the he's elite on the field and his his record, his reputation off the field is it's prestige. It like, you know, who would represent the Yankees better than Aaron Judge? Not right. to mention, you know, he's on pace to only hit fifty eight home runs so far this year. He may <laughs> not do that. <laughs> but but well. you know, pencil him in for forty five. He's an elite player. Um and I'm you know, I'm with him. I mean, you know, if he wants to test the market, I'm cool. If the Yankees manage to lose him, it's on them. They're, they're That's the right. Yankees. They can they can pay him. I mean, you know, ten years is a little, little much. I don't know if that rumor is true, but if you give him, you know, the eight years and just up the annual to like thirty-five to forty, yeah, I think he would feel like, you know, what? This is my home. They want me, and I'm going to stay. And you know, I just want to hear what you have to say.
2: Yeah, and, and thanks for that, Ray. Uh, yes, that that is that is it. And, and it was it, it, the sticker. Or the 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 deal i i believe i believe didn't go through because of the number of years. And and again, if you're the let's play both sides here. So if you're Aaron Judge, you want the highest AAV for the most amount of years, okay? And he just turned 30, i think it was yesterday. Um let me see. Aaron Judge. Uh yeah, 30. April 12. Oh, sorry. April 26th he turned 30. April 26th. Okay, so you're 30 years old. You're looking to get paid through at least, i don't know, what? 37, 38, and, and, and for him, uh, the player that he is, if he is no longer going to be um, an outfielder, well, he's he's a great DH, right? So if you're him, that's what you're thinking. And if you're the Yankees, you're like, well, you know, we got all these contracts on the, on the books, and I mean, we don't want to pay him for that long. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So there, that, that was the whole, and I know there were more details to that, but that was the whole thing. If it were me, uh, see, I thought the the deal that the Yankees offered was fair only because, you know, the the amount of games that he's played. You know, it hasn't been full seasons every single year, you know, without being hurt. So I thought for that reason the Yankees offer was a fair offer. And I can understand why Aaron Judge was kind of miffed at that, especially because they spent, what, $50 million to bring in uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Josh Donaldson? and 50 million dollars that they they paid where they just turned around and, and and turned it into Carlos Correa. So I can understand that like yo like I came up through your your minor league system. I am the consummate Yankee and yet you're gonna throw the money at these guys and not me. come on. I can understand that as well. So I think Aaron judge I, I, listen I, I didn't think he was gonna sign the deal and he didn't and and the day that I the day before, He said he wasn't signing it. I put a bet on him to win MVP. If Aaron Judge wins MVP, he's betting on himself, and I'm betting on him. I'm winning 400 bucks. So let's go, Aaron Judge. Mike in Lakewood, you're up next on The Fan.
10: Mike? Mike, you. Go ahead. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I got to tell you, I disagree. Um, You know, I agree with if he wants to get as much as he can, go out and get as much as he can. But Mm -hmm. the only thing that's bad about that is when he says, I want to stay a Yankee. They they offered him thirty million dollars a year, which would have worked out, it starts next year, would have worked out to eight years. Eight years of thirty million
2: dollars. If you want to stay a Yankee I mean, how much how much do you need? Well how much well, well, let me put, let me turn it around this way. How much more could you get if you win an yeah, MVP the, this season you, or not a world if you series get from someone else from someone else? So don't well, say you want to it. be a
10: Yankee. Well, yeah, but then you don't say you want to be a Yankee.
2: I don't know, because you know what? The Yankees are the richest franchise probably in all of baseball and all those professional sports. Why can't you it come from the Yankees?
10: But you don't think $30 million a year is fair? He's 30 years old now. $30 million. Halfway through the contract, he's going to be
2: 35, you know? Well, for me, $30, $30 million for me, I would sign it tomorrow. No, no, but but, for,
10: even, but even for him,
2: for that's him. a lot of money. I know, I, mean, I know.
10: but He's not but, Mike Trout.
2: I, I understand that, and it would—he would have been the second highest paid AAV uh, outfielder. Sorry, we got to hit the break here because we got an interview coming up. But uh, I understand. But if you're Aaron Judge and you're like, no, no, I'm worth more than that. I'm going to go out. I'm going to win an MVP. I'm going to win a World Series, and then you'll see how much I'm worth each year. You got to give him credit for it. And you're banking on a healthy season from him too in the in the process of it. So I'm Danielle McCartan, and joining me next to analyze and evaluate the Jets 2022 draft class. First-round draft pick for the Jets 22 years ago. Anthony Beck joins us next. Hang tight, everybody. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I am Danielle McCartan, and right now we are lucky to be joined by Anthony Beck, who was drafted 27 overall by the Jets in the year 2000. and He's now a head coach for an upcoming XFL reboot. Anthony, thanks for joining us.
16: Yeah, it's good to be on, Danielle. How's things?
2: Oh, good here. Uh, you know, I, I saw that you were up here in New York to support the Boomer Science Foundation this weekend. That's great.
16: I was, yeah. I did a little draft work uh, for the Jets this week, and I uh, was able to kind of take some time off. Uh, brought my wife and uh, a couple of our friends went up, uh, Wayne Corbett and his wife, and and uh, some folks at the Jets. We had a good time. Boomer does a great job. we uh, raise a lot of money. It's a pretty impressive deal, and you know, to see his son and what he's gone through and where he is now is pretty impressive, yeah. the the advances they've made.
2: Yeah. All right, we'll talk some Jets football here. Uh, you know, let's go back to go forward. In the year that the Jets chose you in the draft, they mm-hmm. had a draft that set the tone for the team for a long time. It was you, Sean Ellis, John Abraham, Chad Pennington, Lavernius Coles. Let me ask, what was so special about that class?
16: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody, obviously, you know, when those picks are made could, Per, you know, predict what was going to be from our careers. Obviously, some of us were able to stay as long as we could with New York, and we moved on to other places. And but you know, to play sixty plus years uh, total of all five of us is, is impressive. Um, and you can't keep us all around, obviously, with free agency and and things that happen. But um, you know, I think the, the the most consistent thing is all of us had to go out there and and play now and, and be a part of and really build that culture. Uh, with with a lot of the veterans that were on that team at that time, it was a very older um, team that, that we came on, veteran-laden team, and uh, was infused with some really good young talent. We were brought in, blended in, and we were able to put a couple good years together, uh, those those next four, three, four, five years.
2: Is it fair to compare that, I mean, I know we were talking about the longevity of it, but talent-wise, is it fair to compare this year's haul by Joe Douglas to that year?
16: Well, I mean, again, you know, sixty plus years—that right. would be impressive. If you got, you know, forty plus uh, years out of these guys, that'd be great. But I think on paper, uh, you know, you arg- arguably could say that you've got, you know, four guys at the top of their position mm-hmm. in college football, which is kind of amazing to say. I mean, I, you would never think that that would be attainable by an organization through a draft to get, you know, a cornerback, a receiver, a D, and a running back, and, and quite frankly, a tight end that maybe. The best of all of them, because of his lack of usage and the talent that he had to deal with at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are going to come in, you know, game ready, ready to go. I think they're going to be contributors right now, um, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. If you're a Jet fan, I mean, why wouldn't you be excited? I mean, these are household names in college, and you know, if you're a Jet fan or any fan across the uh, across the NFL, you know these names. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch them develop and grow, and and ultimately, you know. You know Zach Wilson's going to be the key to this whole thing. Um, you know being the top pick for the Jets uh, two years ago, and and that'll be you know the the big question mark is you know the kind of leaps and bounds. But you know if you look at what Joe Douglas has done and and his personnel, they've they've surrounded them with weapons. They've they've gotten the defense a lot better, and you would expect uh, almost you would have to guarantee improvement by this football team if everybody's healthy week one.
2: You're listening to the Jets Draft Talk here with Anthony Becht on the fan. Uh, Anthony, your son plays football at Iowa State, which means you've had an up-close and personal look at Brees Hall. What can you tell us about him?
16: Uh, he's exceptional. Um, you know, a lot of tread on the tires, but he's only 20 years old. Uh, he knows how to play the game. The, the, you know, everybody in the stadium knew he was the offense for Iowa State the last you know, two and a half years, and, and he lived up to expectation. You know, he's a patient outside zone runner. That can find the hole, stick his foot in the ground, and and really put the gas on and explode through it. And he's also a downhill power guy, where he can you know get in between the tackles and then get the tough yards as well. He's extraordinary in the second and third level, making people miss. He's got great anticipation and vision when he gets through the hole, and he you know feels that linebacker and that backside defender coming at him. You know just has that that great feel, and I think he's going to be uh, a huge. Uh, upgrade to this football team i mean you're talking about a backfield now with him and michael carter that is a really really good one-two punch and again it alleviate, alleviates a lot of pressure for the quarterback so and not just a runner you know 80 plus catches as well so screen passes dink and dunks and whatever that may be uh, you know along with these other you know receivers and talent coming back from last year uh you know he's going to be a home run guy I'm, I'm i'm really looking forward to him probably the most out of all the guys just because you know, he was kind of a bonus pick, a wild card pick for this team because they they drafted so well in the first round.
2: Next Gen Stats compares him to like guys like Travis Etienne, Saquon Barkley. Watching him as closely as you have, are those fair comps in the, in the style of play?
16: Well, I mean, you know, those guys are still we're still waiting on those guys to really you know break out. Um, I, I believe Derek Henry's on that that list. We've seen his his uh, ability to what to do what he does, but. Uh, you know, I think Brees. Look, he's you know fifteen hundred yards back to back seasons. Um, you know, I, sure, I, I would put expectations high on him. He's very confident in his abilities. Extraordinary athlete, forty inch vertical. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, he led the he led the group of of running backs. Uh, you know, athletically and on the field last you know last year and, and really the last two seasons at Iowa State. So, uh, I think he's going to be really good. I think he'll be the surprise uh, this year of all the draft picks uh, for a guy that's going to be able to come in. With a revamped line, a better right. line, you know, with Lincoln Thomason also right. as part of that that upgrade, that they're really going to see it, uh, an upgrade at the running back position
2: as well. To the defense, we go. I think Jermaine Johnson for me was the steal of not just for the Jets, but of the entire draft for me. Uh-huh. And I had him ranked actually as high as Trayvon Walker, who went like first, right? So how can Jermaine yeah. Johnson transform this Jets defense? <sighs>
16: Well, you know, I think the one thing that's important for me is, you know, there all these guys, especially pass rushers, it's all potential driven, but you do want production as well. And I think that's the one thing you can say, you know, between Jermaine Johnson and Aiden Hutchinson, these guys produced in college. You know, Walker's a guy that, you know, played on superior defense. He's got the athleticism, the skill, and the length, but he's got the potential to be a really good pass rusher. Jermaine Johnson's did it. I think the statistic that really is glaring, Uh, that maybe gets foreshadowed, he's got 70 tackles as a defensive end. So he's a relentless player, Mm -hmm. chasing down running backs, making plays other than just getting to the quarterback. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, you're right. I mean, a lot of people had him top five, top ten. I don't think anybody pegged him getting past 15. So, uh, you know, it, it works out for the Jets. What an interesting kind of situation for them as they work the phones from pick 14 on to try to get someone to kind of make that move so they can get in there and also bite their nails off as they see each pick go off and he's still available. So uh, it was meant to be. I think it's great, and I think he's going to be a huge contributor. You talk about what's coming back with Carl Lawson and right. and uh, you know uh, Franklin Myers. I mean, these guys put together Rankins and Quentin Wilson. Uh, um, these guys can really put something together, Quentin Williams. They can have a really nice NASCAR package where they have all these guys pass from rushing on third down situations. Keep on the watch.
2: (laughs) Can you imagine that? You know, the one thing, though, in the scouting report that I did see about Jermaine Johnson, and and you've been in locker rooms clearly as, you know, coach and and as a player, um, Jermaine Johnson did not qualify academically coming out of Eden Prairie High School. Is that a major concern? How does that translate to the classrooms over there in Florham Park?
16: Well, you know, it's, um, you know, he's a guy that had a rough go to get to where he is. You know, he had to go through certain situations, you you know, last chance you, I mean, all these different spots to get where he's at. And then, he you know, he finds a place in Georgia and and actually statistically outplays Walker at Georgia the same year they're there. And then, and then obviously for, for individual reasons, you know, goes to Florida State and and becomes the premier player in that, in that conference. So uh, he looks like, and sounds like a guy that's, uh, again, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's hungry, and he's learned from those experiences. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm expecting him to be. You know, coming into this defense, he does fit well into the situation he'll be in. And I think Robert Sala and company will, will utilize his skill set to the fullest. And like I said, he's not just a pass rusher, right. uh, even though he had a great you know career doing that. This guy gets after the football, he makes plays, and, uh, you know, he's a three-down kind of guy.
2: I know Jets fans are having dreams of and Revis Island 2.0. Uh, what do you think about Sauce Gardner?
16: You know uh, Just um, you know when you watch him play and the type of kid that he is. You know, here's a guy that wasn't highly recruited. A lot of people overlooked him. You know, went to Cincinnati and, and Luke Fickle did a phenomenal job really building that team. But he really takes on the persona of what that coach was: disciplined, uh, humble. And just an outstanding player. I mean, you know, he was one of many players in that defense that were exceptional. Um, you know, never gave up a scoring touchdown, which is remarkable to me. I mean, just by sheer luck, things happen. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't able to do that. You know, had success versus really good competition. Alabama in the championship game uh, played really well. And, you know, he's a confident guy. He's super long. He's got great speed for his length. And uh, he knows how to play the football, you know. I mean, listen, we all say, we all watch it. Corners don't turn their head around as much. This guy's very good technician-wise. He gets his head around, finds the football, and makes plays. Uh, Again, instant impact, day one. You know, these guys are coming in. A lot is expected from them, and I expect to see that on the field. So uh, these these guys are going to be really good pickups and players for this football team.
2: Um, part of his scouting report. We're talking with Anthony Becht right here on the fan. Um, a, this is a quote. It says, "A plethora of holding in- interference calls over three years, and grabs and holes when pa- mat- uh, when pattern matching goes awry. If you're the Jets coaching staff, priority number one has to be footwork, right?"
16: Well, I mean, you know, he's going to hone in and get his skill set better every single day he's here. You know, when you leave college and you're the guy, um, you know, you, you, you cut some corners sometimes because of your skill set. You're just better than everybody else, and you know the technique is maybe not as clean as it should be, but you've gotten away with it for sheer talent for so long that, you know those are those are things that he'll get better at in the league. You know he'll get coached up by NFL quality uh, coaches on the defensive side of the ball, and he'll get better. I mean it's a physical. You know receivers are much more quicker, faster, uh, physicality. They're bigger. Just like, I mean you know so the matchups are going to be great week in and week out. So, well those are things he'll just have to continue to work on. But sure. you know as far as everything else is his game, he's been strong and. Uh, well-deserved to be uh, in the top five pick.
2: Joining us right now on the fan is Jets' number 27 overall pick in the year 2000. Anthony Beck, uh, add in to the offense, Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. So, Anthony, if you could fill in the blank here, Zach Wilson needs to blank to tell me that he has improved. <clears throat>
16: um, you know, I, I really think it's it's kind of – Tear it down. You know, I I think he overanalyzed a lot of stuff last year. I mean, you know, think about all the layups that were out there for him just to kind of get the ball in playmakers' hands. I think right now he's surrounded by so many players that can do so many things if you just get the ball in their hands, that they're success. You know, uh, know, a lot of folks and coaching staff and reports, you know, about him were, you know, always asking – all the questions all the time and, and trying to figure out all the answers, well, you know what you, you can't figure it out all out in in five four you know seven months i mean it's it's a process going through the experiences and ultimately you have to trust what the system is you know asking you to do so when you're on an, a particular pass play and your read is okay you know we're starting at the one here is the corner on or off if he's off we're taking it. If not, we move to the next guy in our progression. Right. So when we snap the football, that's the guy. Now if there's a rotation and the number 2 guy becomes covered, now you know where your 3 is or you get the ball out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece of the equation for him is those extra you know plays that he's made in college where he moves around with his feet and he throws the ball uh, a certain angle and he gets himself a, a spectacular completion. Those that's the gifted stuff that will naturally need to happen, but actually the play itself, if he just goes through the simple progressions, and I say simple because you know it's not a simple game. It's not easy for the quarterback, but it's, it's also easy to overanalyze things, and I think that's what you saw from him. So I think he just needs to tear it down a bit. He's going to watch a lot of his film. He's going to watch all the plays that he had last year, all the reasons why he did what he did, and he's going to find a lot of reasons why he shouldn't have did what he did, and I think that's only going to help him. And this offense and all these other weapons that are coming in now should make it easier for him to hone in to have a better season.
2: Robert Sala, I don't know if you saw it, but spoke directly to Mekhi Becton right into the camera, and he said, we'd love to have you back here. That was kind of weird to me. What do you think?
16: Well, you know, I'm a little old school. I believe players should be there. I know it's voluntary, but, you know, if you're trying to build something, you want all your guys in the building. You want them rehabbing there. You want them training there. You want them, you know, running the – Whatever running program, conditioning program, guys falling out. You want to be together as a team and lift each other up. Now, of course, there's personal uh, situations that go on. I believe he's having a child, and you know Bryce Hall is, has got some personal things uh, in his family as well. These guys will, you know, hopefully show up soon. But I think you know sometimes as a young player, and I, and I always kind of use the example as look like if you haven't been like on the field for five straight years, I would I would never miss any off season. Mm-hmm. Workout OTA or anything, I mean, it would make me nervous as a guy. And I was a first round pick, and I was a guy that started every basically every game for my first eight years. And I just had that mentality, and it just that was the mentality of my teammates. And there was a lot of success with the Jets at that time, and then also when I left for the Bucks and some of these other teams. So um, you know, look, if you're Tom Brady and you got twenty plus years, man, you, you got a little grace time. But when you're young, and you know, I get it. Guys have a lot of money; they're put in certain situations, but you know, when it's time to get back and go to work, I think it's, it's, you got to be there. So, uh, yeah, it's voluntary. There's no question about it, but there's those messages. And I think coach just wants him around because he wants him to be great. I think everybody does. I want him to be great. He's an important piece of this team. Sure. And if he's not out there 100% full, ready to go, then, you know, that that's going to take away from what this team's trying to build. So I see him training. I see him doing his things. Hopefully he'll be in the building soon. You know, I, again, I believe he's having a child here soon. So when he gets back, hopefully, you know, All is done, and he's in the building. But, you know, definitely, hey, listen, I love the coach. You know, he said it in a fun way, and uh, I think that, you know, they've talked more than than, than once about the situation, and and hopefully he's there soon.
2: We'll put a nice little bow on this Jets season. i got to ask you one about the XFL. The word expectation has started to surround the Jets for the first time in a long time. What is, in your opinion, a realistic expectation for this team?
16: Yeah, 500, man. I, you know that's where it starts for me. I really do believe they can get themselves in that situation where they can, you know, be a 500 football team, and that would be huge. I mean, I just uh, and I think there, you know, there shouldn't be any blowout games. I believe that, you know, the that within the division. Although, look, we all know Buffalo, the, what what they've done for their team and how they're winning. That'll be the biggest hurdle, but this division is not easy. So it'll be it'll be pressure laden every single week, at least within the division. But uh, those are the strides I want to see from this football team. We're we're seeing a lot less talented teams. And when I mean less, you know, there's other teams out there that have maybe uh, not as much youth talent, really good youth talent, but they're just a, a young overall team that are winning more games and having more success. I think this team now is put together. and uh, They always talk about, you know, Robert Sala and, and Joe Douglas about the process that they're looking for moving forward. And now you're seeing it with the free agency picks, the two years now with all this draft capital, the pieces are there now. This, this mm-hmm. is a solid roster now you're putting on the football field. To me, an exciting roster that if everybody's healthy day one, week one, it's going to be fun to watch. That's the biggest question mark. Right. This team is, you know, this organization has been plagued by random situations, whether it be an injury or something happens, and all of a sudden you find yourself like, man, here we go again. So I want that to go away. I want to see this team healthy. I want to see them get through training camp, have a great training camp, develop these players so that these young guys can come out and be uh, keys to this team's success moving forward. You know, I want to see Garrett Wilson pop off a season like uh, like Jefferson or, or or some of these uh, receivers that come in first year and just have huge years. And that's the way it's going to be for that guy. Like they deserve that, and these are the kind of players that should do that for them from this draft.
2: Final question. We're joined by Anthony Beck, who has signed on to be a head coach in the uh, uh, upcoming XFL season. A lot of people are already reading into this. Anthony, why is Anthony going on a uh, New York sports radio show here? What could you tell us about the XFL and your expectations for it?
16: <laughs> well, number one, I'm I'm very blessed and fortunate to get this opportunity. Uh, there's there's a lot of deserving coaches out there that that put their names into the hat for this, but you know, I sold the vision to ownership and. And the people involved, um, you know, I felt like there was something that aligned with myself and, and Dwayne Johnson and, and Danny Garcia and what they were trying to mold and develop from this league. And I was one of the pieces that they felt made a lot of sense. So, you know, I bring a lot of experience. I think it's a misnomer when we talk about head coaches and coaching. You know, 12 years in the league, I've coached in spring leagues. I've coached uh, some of the top talent in college football and all-star games for seven years now. I've mentored guys. I've worked for the NFL. And helped bring in guys after transitioning from the NFL into retirement now, and, and guiding and mentoring those guys. So it's kind of the big picture, and then all the media stuff. I mean, I've been calling. You know, I know the college game as good as anybody coming out of the league, just because I was around it, calling those games, critiquing and criticizing coaches' decisions for eight straight years. You know, now it's my turn to kind of. You know, there's a lot in the and in, in kind of the, the the knowledge in the bucket for me that I'm just ready to give back. Timing was always a big thing. You mentioned my son. Now he's, he's obviously at Iowa State early enrollee playing up there. So, yep. you know, my, my tables kind of opened up a little bit more and the spring makes a lot of sense for me. So I'm looking to be a full, full year, 365 NFL XFL kind of guy. And, and I'm really excited about the opportunity with the XFL. And I'm going to put together a great staff and the players that are on my team are going to get developed and I want them all to go to the NFL. That's my goal.
2: Well, Anthony Beck, best of luck. I'll definitely be tuned in. Whatever team you end up being on, that's my favorite team. So uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on, carving out some time for us here on this Sunday. You got Thank it. Yes,
16: yeah, stay tuned. Big announcements coming in the next uh, couple weeks, months, and uh, it'll be exciting time.
2: All right. I-, I will be locked in, Anthony. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan taking you one more hour. Up to Lori Rubinson and the program as Max Scherzer just notches his eighth strikeout of the night. You know, um, Anthony Beckett was, was a phenomenal guest just now. He said that he's expecting the Jets to be 500. That's the expectation for the Jets 500. To be a 500 team moving forward. And you know what? I agree with that. There's a lot of people who are celebrating a Super Bowl victory for the Jets right now after that draft. Yeah, it was a great draft. It wasn't good. It was great. But they are, I think, just one more year away from making that big-time leap. Okay, maybe they could sneak in as a wild card. Maybe. But you look around, especially just in the division alone, Josh Allen and the Bills, Mac Jones and the Patriots, and, you know, the Dolphins are always, all right, are they going to be good? Are they not going to be good? You don't really know. Usually they end up kind of falling off towards the end. But you know what? You never know, but I think, as Anthony Beck just said, a 500-team, 500 500-goal 500 for the Jets this season, I think is realistic, and, and I'm behind that. And then I want to talk, just last Sunday, um, me and my friend went to the Prudential Center uh, to check out the Devils and Red Wings, and thanks to the Devils for the club seats, by the way, but it was Top Gun Bobblehead Day, which was cool, unexpected. We didn't know we were getting them. And also... Probably most important, it was training day for all the service dogs. There was like 50 of them in there or more. They were all gathered outside of one of the, you know, on the main concourse there where they have all like the high school jerseys. All the dogs. Oh, my God. I could have missed the game and just sat out there with all the dogs. But what a fun time it was. You know, I was also able to catch up with a good friend of the show, Ken Danico. Devil's. Obviously, devil's legend, has his numbers retired. One of the, what is it, five devils that are retired? Yeah, his number three is one of them. I'm sure you saw the pictures on my social media channels. And if you didn't, at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, and also at Coach McCartan on Instagram. Um, But just reading all the comments back to that picture and just seeing just the mutual respect for him among all uh, hockey, but all New York hockey fans, It was just great to see. So here's to hoping that the Devils and the Islanders can turn around next season. But for right now, it's a Rangers town. We'll go to calls at 877-337-6666 as the Mets lead the Phillies 6-4 to in the top of the sixth. I understand up up against Sunday Night Baseball, but I appreciate everybody that's calling in right now and uh, tweeting me and, and staying engaged throughout the show. I appreciate you. All right, so let's go to Astoria. Lou, you're up on the fan.
9: Hey, Daniel,
2: how are you? I'm good. How are you, Lou? What's up? N- n- nice
9: to hear your voice. I love the lineup today on the fan. Um. Peter and your producer. Great, great show.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you. Appreciate it.
9: Listen, before I, I... First of all, I'm looking forward for the, for the football season. Both New York and uh, teams are going to be great, I believe. Yep. At least we got hope, okay? Yep. It's been so many years, so I'm looking forward for it. Well, Lou, uh, I, what, I wouldn't what, say
2: that the teams are going to be great. I think they both had great drafts, but...
9: Let's. Well, they're watchable right now at least. Watchable, you know, they, they yes. like I mean, they still got to play the game, but you know what I'm saying?
2: They could be enjoyable. Both, Luke. Be both teams could be enjoyable this season. I get you.
9: Yes, uh, I want you to do me a favor. If you ever get a chance to, you, you always do that. Can you can you just, you just speak to Steve Cohen, the Mets owner? I want you to do me a favor, right? When the lockout took over, okay, the Mets didn't have a GM. The Mets didn't have a manager. Mm-hmm. And you know how much I want to start a, star, a to play for the Yankees. I do, yep. Okay, you remember, I never stopped mentioning it. Okay? I, I, I get sick and tired of it. Anyway, you can see what's going on. Even when he doesn't hit, he there's a few games that he's been responsible for the Mets doing this year. That's how important he is. But anyway, the owner I don't know if you remember, he stopped tweeting, but he he tweeted saying, asking the fan, tell me who do you want me to, to get what you know to bring to this Mets team. And I told him, I said, listen, I, I'm a Yankee fan. I know my GM doesn't know what talent it is. A perfect player for you is Stanley Marte. Listen to this. I hung up. I mean, as soon as I had about in three hours, the, new key, the news came on the air that he signed Stanley Marte. I swear to my mother, I'm not making it up. I know if it's coincidence, but it happens.
2: Lou, okay? I have a serious question for you. Yes, because you were GM of the Mets and orchestrated that move. Did they ever send you a check for it?
9: No, you know maybe uh, Peter, Peter. Peter will send me a check. He's very famous for that, uh, All you and know, right. uh, doing the update. But I'm saying I don't know if it was coincidence. Or, or, but he was, you know, he listened to the fans. I mean, and I did that, and and I swear, I swear, like I said, yeah. Right away. I believe you. The, the very next day, Stanley tail was in Mechs, okay? Lou, you want to know what
2: happened to me? I, I, I interviewed Derek Jeter, said that, and, and I said that he wanted to ban the shift. It was like the next day when he stepped down. I, I, I was like, from the Marlins, and I was like, uh oh. That is crazy. Too. Did that I is, do that? That
9: is crazy. <laughs> and speaking of that, I don't know if you watched the Yankee game. They had, uh. Um, yeah, of course. They, they had this guy, uh, was it Carlos, uh,
2: Beltran. Beltran, yeah, Beltran doing yeah, that.
9: And he had uh this uh, I thought about you right away. They had one of the one of the best hitters that ever played the game and Ken I mean, Brett, you know, the third baseman. And he says, Yeah, you know this thing about the shift? If they even put the shift when I play, I hit six hundred. Yeah. Guarantee. Okay? This is what I talk about being being a you know, a baseball player. Anyway, Aaron George, let me go to, I'll be real quick. There's three reasons well, I don't blame the decisions that he makes. First of all, he has a family now. He's married. That's important, you know. Very important, okay? Sure. He's being been on the pay, being the best player, not only one of the best players in baseball, but definitely the best player with the Yankees. Yes. Okay? And and he, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, even they brought a guy, giving him $50 million a third baseman, which uh, I don't know why they got rid of Gio. Gio's doing very well, by uh-huh. the way. Well, yep. Which they, uh, I, yep. I, I miss him like crazy, by the way. Yep. I told my son he'd get free tickets. I would not attend a game until the GM in Gallo is gone, okay? Now, uh, also, the universal DH, okay, is going to help George make money. He's been underpaid for years. Correct. And he's a profitable player. Okay? You take care. It's nice to hear your voice.
2: You too, and Lou. Thanks. And I hope thanks. you're back
9: soon again, okay? Yeah,
2: I'm back for a doubleheader next weekend. Shh, don't tell you anybody. Know. Okay. And it's
9: <laughs> nice to talking to you, all right?
2: You too, Lou. Thanks. Appreciate it. And that's a great point. That last point was a great point that Aaron Judge can really cash in because now there's a universal DH. So in the back end of the contract, which we were talking about before, how I obviously would see him moving to a DH role, that he can just kind of slide in there and become a DH in both, not just the AL now, but the NL, which makes him much more marketable at the end if he's not going to return to the Yankees. Great point for you there, Lou. Let's go to David in Lakewood, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, I just want to say that uh,
8: Neil picked by
2: the
12: Giants is a great pick. He's, awesome pick. A lot of these uh, offensive linemen coming out of college, they don't have a lot of experience, and at least a lot of busts. But this guy, a lot of experience against some of the best defenses.
2: And that's what his scouting report says, and in three different positions. So he's very yeah. versatile. He is, he is one of those guys that you had to have. He was the highest offensive lineman on, on my grade scale, and I'm so happy he's a Giant.
8: Yeah, you never know know if these guys are going to be able to
12: pick up on the necessary skills. defensive lineman takes a lot lot of uh,
8: talent and skills, and this guy has it.
2: He absolutely has it there, David, and thank you for that. Evan, yeah, I mean, his scouting report says he's well-schooled in technical aspects of the position. Um, He has a variety of pass-set angles and techniques at his disposal. I mean, this is a smart guy. This is, that's what this tells me. It's a smart guy. He is um, coached well. It's clear and evident that he's got a great line of coaching pedigree from which he has come. Uh, Evan Neal is going to be a a giant for the next 12 years. He's going to be on that Giants offensive line for the next 12 years. That's how much I believe in Evan Neal and how much he is a stud uh, for this Giants team. Mike in East Meadow, you're up on the fan.
3: Yeah, hi. My name's Mike. I uh, love the show. Uh, doing a great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. Just, a, just a quick point. You mentioned uh, a second ago about the Jets going five hundred.
2: Oh, Anthony Beck, the, and he said it. I agreed. Five hundred. Yeah,
3: we got a problem. NFL teams can't go five hundred. No, oh,
2: duh, duh. They added the extra game. <laughs> duh.
3: Now you, you guys, uh, just in general, are going to have to come up with something to differentiate because that's like a statistical
2: impossibility now right yeah i got i got gotcha. you i forgot the idea of the game you're right about that so what do you think over or under 500 for the jets there mike
3: uh well um i was i watched the super bowl live remember joe willie and i'm gonna going to go
2: on the uh over mm, i'm taking the under i just don't like the division that they're playing in they got the bills twice the patriots twice the packers i mean they have a real tough schedule this season
3: yeah, the the uh, the, Pates, the Pats had a um, a grade of C in the uh, draft, so yeah. they might not be that hot this year, but you can never estimate, underestimate Belichick. But it's going to be a great season, and I think it's all going to hinge on the quarterback.
2: Yes, and, and and the weapons around him and what he can do uh, moving forward. And also, too, the Jets' defense, Mike, and let's be honest, the Jets' defense last year was 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 horrible. It was Swiss cheese every week. I mean, yeah. you score 100 yeah. points, it doesn't matter. The other team scoring 107. It didn't matter. This this defense has gotten better, and I think they're going to keep them in the games a little bit more so even than the arm of Zach Wilson.
3: Point well taken, and that's going to be a great season, and like I said, love what you do.
2: Yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. And do me a, yeah, go ahead. Do
3: me one favor. Spread the word about that 500 thing, okay?
2: Mike, you've done it. We have spread the word about 500. Anthony Becht, how can we forget about that, Mike? And thanks for the call. It's a statistical impossibility. You're right. Unless, well, I, I guess if you... And then a tie, I guess, technically. Uh, I don't know. But the Jets away opponents, they got the Steelers this year. They've got the Browns. They've got, you know, the Packers. And the Jets have a pretty tough schedule this year. So I don't know. The home opponents are a little like the Lions, Jaguars, Bengals, you know. We'll see. Uh, I, think, uh, I think one under 500, one game under 500 is where the Jets are going to be. And, and I hope I'm wrong. The art and the science of the hit by pitch. Through a 2022 Mets lens and the eyes and arm of a former four-time World Series champion, New York Yankee. I'm Danielle McCartan, and it's a perfect blend of contemporary and what used to be with Jeff Nelson next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight on The Fan here in New York City. I'm with you till 10 p.m. Lori Rubinson comes your way. Then um, if you've got me on the radio and you've got the Mets Sunday Night Baseball on mute, well, thank you. Sending your setup of that. The Mets are leading the Phillies two to one. They're in the bottom of the third. Listen, I all the time. Every calls in and Why did you ruin the score? I have it on DVR. Like, listen, it, it's 2022. If you are watching games on DVR and expecting not the, the score not to get ruined, I, I don't know what to tell you. My cousin who lives in Tampa is the same way with the Tampa Bay Lightning and all the Tampa Bay teams. I can't even text him during a Yankee game to talk some trash to him. Because he's like, oh, I got kids. I have to DVR it. I'm like, come on, man. But um, the way that uh, when I was on the phone with Brendan London, Kyle Schwarber hit a home run to uh, center field. And it seems as though in the second inning, I got kind of wrapped in that conversation. But in the second inning, it looks as though the Mets have had manufactured uh, their two runs in that bottom of the second. Sterling Mar- Starling Marte grounded out. Um, Eduardo Escobar scored. And then Luis Guillerme doubled home Dom Smith. So that's how the two runs scored for the Mets. Uh, right now, it is again two one. They're in the bottom of the third. It's a quick game, isn't it? Uh, today, I was home like the Yankees and the uh, oh, and the, and the Yankees and the Royals. I was home. It was like an hour and ten minutes. They were through four innings. I was like, oh my god, I got to get dressed and leave. I I got to get out of here. Of course, the George Washington Bridge. The traffic was red. You know, on the map, red. Uh, but I made it here. It's all good. I made it here early actually. So, because what happened was, I was going through the toll booth on the George Washington Bridge in bumper-to-bumper traffic, all the way from Englewood. And uh, it was the seventh inning, and that was the big seventh inning. That bought me some time. That did buy me some time. I made it here early, and here we are. I'm with you until 10 p.m. If you want to tweet me, at Coach MCCARTAN, Instagram as well, or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I'm on all three. Uh, and Jeff McNeil just blooped a single into center field, and the Mets have a two-out rally potentially going. Let's go to Rob in Bayside. You're up on the fan, Rob. Go ahead. Yeah,
13: I have a couple of uh, Yankee and Met, Mets points. Sure. I mean, uh, yeah. But first, I want to give you a complimento. Seven, eight months ago, before the foot, uh, around the beginning of the football season, mm-hmm. you recommended an Italian restaurant on the Lower East Side, Noceria. Noceria, did you go? I, I put it in my memory bank. Yeah. Two weeks, I went. I went two weeks ago. I went there. The best gnocchi in New York.
2: Yes, I told you. I know my Italian food there, Rob. I,
13: I know you're well-versed in, in all things Italian, even though you don't have an Italian name. <laughs> but, well,
2: I, the grandmothers were Italian. I'm 50-50.
13: <laughs> oh, really? Oh, good. That's good. Well, t- tonight, Stanley Tucci, uh, 9 o'clock on CNN. Oh, it started Search, up again? S- searching for Italy, the first one. Oh,
2: okay. Oh, I got a DVR. The new,
13: the new season. Yeah, He's in, yeah. He's in Venice tonight. Oh, Vinici. It's
2: probably a lot of risotto up there and then and, uh, and seafood.
13: A very, a very quick Met point before I get to the Yankees. Sure. That guy who said that the Yankees did Buck Walter bad in 1995 when they fired him. You were a young girl then. But let me say, I'm, without going through the details, I want to move on to the Yankees. Buck Showalter single-handedly blew that series for the Yankees. Now let me say one other thing about Robbie Cano. You're absolutely right about all the stats, but from what I've heard, he's great in the clubhouse and all the young Hispanic players love him and he mentors them. So he does have some value. So
2: they make him a coach, man. $24 million a year to be a mentor? Come on.
13: All right, you're right. Now, now just briefly on the Yankees. There's three differences of why the Yankees are much better than last year. I I, I mean, uh, Anthony Rizzo, got off to a good start last year, came down with COVID, and in, in the middle of the year, he was never the same afterwards yes. in the second half. Yep. You, know, you know, with COVID, you stay, you stay weak for like a month or two, and that's what happened last year. Uh, J.D. LeMayo, two years ago, won the batting title. Last year, he was nicked and injured almost the whole year, and now you're seeing the real healthy LeMayo. And number three is yep. for two years, Luis Severino, was not healthy, Mm -hmm. and he's finally healthy this year. And you know his upside. Sure. Those are the three differences of why they're much better. Plus, they've added speed. That's, with, uh, that to uh,
2: me, Rob, is the biggest difference. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, you got Lo Castro laying out for balls in left field. He's, the, I think, the fastest guy sprint speed in in Major League Baseball. So they
13: say Lo Castro is the fastest guy on the team.
2: Yeah, uh, fast guy, I think in the league actually.
13: Plus, they've, ordered, they've, they've, they've added a couple of guys who put that bat on a ball. That was the problem with you. Yeah, yep. uh, uh, Kiner-Falefa. Uh, yeah, uh, and and. Donaldson's a professional hitter. he puts his bat on the ball. They got rid of the strikeout machine, Sanchez. Yeah. So th- that's why those three reasons, they're a lot better this year than last year.
2: Yeah, and Rob, I'm, I'm with you on, on all of that. You know, it's, it's a more balanced lineup, definitely, for sure. Uh, today, during the game, Josh Donaldson had, I think it was 13 walks when they showed the graphic, which was, I think, second or third highest in the league. I mean, that's a guy that just gets on base, man. He, he strikes out a ton. And he does. And his third base uh, isn't the best. Um, what I've noted from him is, you know, instead of, and I, I preach it to my players all the time, you, you got to get in front of the ball. you got to move your body, move your feet, and get in front of the ball. You should be fielding the ball on the midline of your body, which is basically your belly button up and down. He doesn't do that often. He'll kind of ole the ball to each side, which bothers me. Um, because you know there's going to be one time where, where – it's going to be a crucial point in the game and that happens. Uh, so, you know, work on that. I was at the stadium and I did observe him with my own eyes. They had a, a, a coach. I think he was just throwing it. I don't know if he was hitting into it, but he was definitely fielding uh, short hops, repetitive, short, hop, short, hops, short hops, like right in front of me. I almost, I almost feel like I should have asked him about it, you know, grabbed him as he was getting off and said, Hey, you know, tell me about this, you know? So he was, he, I mean, he is working on it. He is a guy that does work on his defense is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, he walks a lot. He strikes out a lot. And that's that's it's one of those guys. But I, I would agree that the Yankee lineup is a little bit more balanced now. Uh, definitely more so than last year, of course. And and the one thing I will say before we get back to the calls at 877-337-6666, the one thing I will say is on, on that pass ball by Kyle Higashioka today that scored a run, I was like, Gary Sanchez can do that. It uh, ended up not mattering in the game. And, and I think it was um, – uh, flash Flaherty, he was he said, "Wow, that was a a rare pass ball by Kyle Higashioka." Well, you know, no one's perfect, right? And he's been great um, defensively since he's taken over for uh, the basically the starting uh, starting gig since uh, Gary Sanchez went out. See ya, Gary Sanchez is in, in in a different city now, playing his home games in a different city. Let's go to Mitch, Mitch in East Windsor. Mitch, you're up on the fan.
14: Hey, doing, Daniel? How you doing today?
2: I'm good. How are you? Pretty good.
14: Uh, good. Uh, draft by the Giants definitely like the uh, Thibodeau, Kenyon and Thibodeau, a Little Pac-12 favorite. I thought they would go with Drake when he was other good wide receivers. I don't know about the the one from Kentucky, but they got to come to a good offensive lineman, uh, Neil from Alabama. That was good too.
2: That was that was um, that was a great pick. That was probably the best pick of the draft for them, in my opinion, because it addressed well, it addressed a glaring need. And I know Kayvon Thibodeau. Yes, yes, yes. He's going to be a star. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be a star in Wink Martindale's defense.
14: telling you. He likes nice to talk. Hey, he's good talking to the media. I only heard him twice, and he's, he's really good. <laughs> he's um, got a lot of charisma. Yeah, and, and they also drafted in alignment. But I'm surprised uh, Sam Howell uh, would be nice. Any chance? I know this is, uh, I know. I think I know what the answer is. Beger, I think Baker will up in Seattle, and they can't be serious with uh, that kid uh, they got from Denver. Any chance? Uh, I think Daniel Jones should be uh, shown to do as soon as possible. And I know I like uh, Taylor, but I think Baker still is still a pretty cool. Right, so,
2: what's the question? You're asking me if the Giants are going to move Daniel Jones for who?
14: We'll release Daniel Jones. Taylor will probably be the starter. Maybe compete with uh, Baker Mayfield.
2: Uh, Mitch, that will no? happen in maybe a, a parallel universe somewhere. No, I no, uh, uh-uh. it's not going to happen. Tyrod Taylor is a starter. It's not going to happen over Daniel Jones and Baker Mayfield. No, mm. Daniel Jones, and, and I've explained this. Where was I the other day, and I explained this. Oh, I was getting my haircut yesterday to Vinny. I was telling my hairdresser, Vinny, and his mom, who also works there, owns the place. I said, listen, Dan, I, I was here on the fan. When I put up uh, like uh, a graphic, it's N- NFL Next Gen Stats. They made like a a grid, a quarterback grid, I think it's called, and it was measuring the 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 quarterback rating in like, I think it's like 12 different zones on the field. I put, with well, no names. I cut the names off. I love doing that to you. I put, Daniel Jones is up there. And then I put, um I, I all I told you was it was a playoff quarterbacks up there. And I said, who are you picking? Quarterback A or quarterback B? Throughout the commercial break, I closely, intensely monitor it through Instagram and on Twitter. Instagram stories and on Twitter. Everybody was picking the Daniel Jones grid. And I was like, yes, everybody's playing right into my hand here. Then all of a sudden I come back from commercial and I explain, well, actually the other, the, the two unnamed quarterbacks, one is Daniel Jones. The other one is Josh Allen. And then all of a sudden you saw like in live, all of the, the votes start switching. It's just amazing what a name recognition would do for you. I'm telling you, Daniel Jones, you, you want to draft a quarterback. What are you looking for? You're looking for size, You're looking for speed, the ability to break off runs, a big arm. I mean, he checks all of those boxes. The poor kid has had, what, three different systems that he's had to learn, including this upcoming season. I mean... How many different head coaches? It's just he has not never been put in a position to succeed. In uh, 2021, his offensive line pass blocked. At, they were 30th in the league. The year before that, they were last in the league in pass blocking. He didn't have a, a, a running back last year either. That was even a threat to come out of the backfield. So the odds were completely and utterly stacked against Daniel Jones. This year, okay, it's a new system, but there should not be any, any, as of today, April 1st, I mean, as of today, May 1st, I can never get this right. Um, as of today, May 1st, there should be really no other excuses, in other words, uh, for Daniel Jones, other than the fact that he's got to learn yet another playbook. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I still have faith in Daniel Jones. I'm not moving him anywhere. Douglas, in the Bronx, you're up next on The Fan.
15: Hello, Danielle. Good
2: evening. <laughs> How are you, Douglas? <laughs> you're just talking about Daniel Jones, and
15: I... He'll be healthy this season. That's also uh, yes the best thing uh, he has to achieve because uh, I think he's, he he could certainly prosper with the Giants. Um, by the way, it's an honor to appear on your trumpet show. This is the first time I've appeared <laughs> when you play the trumpet. I love it.
2: <laughs> I, I was a little yes. nervous today because I have really have not picked it up since uh, since the last time. But it sounded all right. I think, right?
15: Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Now, one quick note about the Nets. You know, it's a party line that they say that the NBA regular season does not matter. But you think about the uh, net season as a whole, the shenanigans they went through, the behind-the-scenes soap opera. I mean, that cost them enough regular season games. They could have been the ones playing the Raptors in the first round. Yeah. Or if they were even better, they could have played Cleveland or Atlanta in the first round, not Boston. So it it's definitely all uh, cost them, and as we saw last week, uh, didn't even win a playoff game. Yeah. And when, so. they, yeah,
2: when they say, "Oh, the regular season doesn't matter," of course the regular season matters. Of course it does. And and this Nets team had so many things to overcome. We get it. But it, when it came down to it, the two biggest stars on that team, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, could not and did not come through for that team. Did not win, no. as you said. Did not win. Did not win a single game. And by the way, just before you continue, Kyle Schwarber. Is the new Mets killer officially just took Max Scherzer deep? It is. It is. It is. Uh, it's a two-run home run. Philly takes the lead over the Mets, three to two.
15: Mm-hmm. On to a base. Another baseball note. Uh, did, did you catch the Yankees streaming? Have you enjoyed the experience? Uh, have you experienced the joys of live streaming uh, of recent? Because they were on Apple TV the other night, mm-hmm. and on, of course. They're on Amazon later this week. Uh, what do you think about all that? Uh, did it crash? <laughs> no, as, it, it, okay?
2: yeah, it worked. Everything works. Uh, the picture quality is is for both of those services is outstanding. I feel like I'm there. Um, but, you know, uh, luckily for me, I, I do subscribe to Amazon. I do have Apple TV. And I can't imagine being someone who, A, you know, doesn't know how to access it, B, doesn't want to, like, doesn't want to access it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, my parents, mm-hmm. I think of them. I think of the older people that the older mm-hmm. baseball fans, yeah. it's just, it's a little bit difficult. And, and for, for a sport that is like, I guess dying for eyeballs, I'm not sure what they were thinking in, 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 spreading out all the games over all of these different platforms, honestly.
15: Yeah. They're trying to touch all the younger generations, but yeah, all the frustrations, and especially with this new, these new streaming services for, for the Yankees, it's, like, uh, like all my older relatives, like, how do you hook this up? Yeah. Or like, uh, how, how do you, do you put download this on? it? Do do? Yep. Yeah. And also the other problem is the connectivity. You know, before you're leading up to your show tonight, they had a Warriors uh, Grizzlies game on ABC. But a lot of Sling TV customers uh, complained that their game got switched off. Mm. So, I mean, still streaming is still in its uh, infant stage that uh, that they're trying to age. I I don't know, uh, as frustrating as it is now, at least it's accessible, um, I don't know if you had grown up two decades ago in a household with cable vision. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah, Uh, cable
2: vision, yeah.
15: uh, To me, the worst battle was when the Yes Network and cable vision... uh, we're out for the entire 2002 season. Yeah, that was brutal because there was no streaming at that point, and that was the uh, that was the only option to watch Yankee games until they were on free TV, which wasn't uh, often. Yeah. So Douglas, at least I, I think that have...
2: yeah, I think that's what's happening. If I'm not mistaken, I've gotten some tweets and Douglas, thanks for the call. There, I've gotten some tweets. I think I believe about Comcast and the Rangers, right? I think and MSG. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's just. I wish I could just cut the cord entirely and still get, like, the five channels that I, like, have to watch. Yes Network, SNY, Bravo, MTV, and then, like, Live News, ESPN. Like, that's all I need. Really, that's all I need. I wish I could just do that a la carte. But, hey, you know, whatever. It doesn't exist yet. So, eventually, I guess it will. For for now, I'm going to have to continue to pay $201 to Altis One for one box. And no extra channels, just the sports package. You know, a question has been floated around a lot here. Which will be the first team to end the championship drought around here? You know, the Rangers. I don't know if you heard of them, but the Rangers have the next crack at it. The series against the Penguins starts Tuesday at the Garden officially. I'm Danielle McCartan, and let's do a Rangers playoff hockey check next here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I'm with you till 10 p.m. Lori Rubinson and the program will come your way then. During the commercial break, the Mets have tied it up, everybody. They are tied at Citi Field 3-3. to Dom Smith doubled home. Eduardo Escobar from second, I believe. Mm, that I'm not positive about. But anyway, Dom Smith had an RBI double, and it is tied now. 3-3 there in the bottom of the fourth out in Queens on Sunday Night Baseball. Shot a Buck Walter, in the dugout. Um, the lowest hard hit rate this season. The Mets. I'm not sure if they're talking about batting or pitching. I'm not sure about that. But I do have a fact for you from Anthony DeComo. He said there have been 17 multi-homer games by a player against the Mets over the past 2 seasons. 17. 5 of them have belonged to Kyle Schwarber. By the way, we're only in the 4th inning. 5 of them have belonged to Kyle Schwarber, including the only 3-homer game on the list. Here's an idea. Here's an idea. Buck Showalter, I don't know if you listen to the show or not. Welcome. Walk Schwarber for the rest of the game. You know, if the situation allows for it, which most of the time it does, you should walk him. Two home runs already tonight. He's accounted for all of the the Phillies' runs so far. But hey, it's a, it, listen, it's a good time for baseball. The Mets, if they pull this one off, this will be their seventh series win in seven series, okay? And also, news, I think it was yesterday afternoon or so. I don't I don't know, but I saw it yesterday afternoon. The Rangers first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is set. Pittsburgh Pirates will be at the garden on Tuesday night for game one. I tried looking into tickets. They were like five hundred dollars each. Uh, that was like last week. So um I think this is a pretty good time to do a quick little hockey check for context. The Rangers lead the season series against the Penguins three to one and in those games they've outscored Pittsburgh 11 to 4. So a few things that I'm going to be watching throughout this season. Number 1, the Rangers and, and their allowance of second chance goals. They were one of the worst teams in the league in allowing scores off the rush. So that's the other th- and the other thing I'm watching is the goaltending matchups cuz Igor Shosturkin, you don't meet, need me to tell you that he has been the best goalie in the league. And here's the stat to back it up. He finished the season as the league leader in goals saved above expected. And in case you're wondering, it's 37.2. And 73% of Shesterkin's starts were labeled quality starts, quote-unquote. And I'm expecting more of the same from him. And the Rangers, quite frankly, need that sort of a performance from him. And on the other side, for the Penguins, they have no... Timetable for return on their regular season, you know, starting goalie. I mean, it's an injured right foot. You know, how hockey is so br- you know, broad and generic about the descriptions that they give. You're lucky you got that it's a foot and not like a, a lower body. Me, my train, her name is Rachel. We talk about this all the time. It could be like a, you know, season ending hip surgery. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, lower body. Or, you know, so we're lucky we got that it's a right foot. Anyway, it's probably going to be Casey, uh, is it Casey Smith or Casey DeSmith? on Tuesday and and throughout the series. And, you know, this guy, he has been so wildly inconsistent. He's coming off the worst season of his career. This is and needs to be a major point of exploitation for the Rangers. And for that, all eyes are on Chris Kreider, who has tied for second with Adam Graves for the most goals scored in a single season in Rangers history. History. And the Rangers have a, a long one. They're one of the originals. And um Kreider in, in today's NHL finished third in the entire league in, in scoring this regular season. So uh my prediction. Um my prediction is the Rangers in six. I like the Rangers in six. I think uh the longer this series goes, the the more it benefits the Rangers. I'm taking Rangers in six. And I've got a tweet from uh um, Shaocut Hamadani. He said Coach McCartan, there might be a trophy drought for the teams you care about, but New York doesn't have one. New York City FC, NYC FC, is the current MLS champs. Yeah, they are. Good for them. Let's go to Justin in Deer Park. You're up next on The Fan.
0: Uh, Great to be back, Daniel.
2: Ah, Great to have you back, Justin. What's up?
0: Not much. Your take? I haven't heard anything all day. What is your take on the Giants' first two
3: picks of the draft? I love them.
2: I I liked them. I did. And I and it, it was like Joe Shane, smartest guy in the room. Everybody's like, my, my initial reaction was like, oh, my God, they didn't take Evan Neal. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. They got Thibodeau in the meantime. And then they have their pick of one of the top three offensive linemen, Neal being one of them, and they picked the right one. So those first two picks, Justin, yeah, A+. Plus. Yeah, I love them. That's it? That's all you got for me, Justin?
0: Um, Yeah, also about your hockey picks. I'm sorry. I like Ray rangers in six. 100%. All right,
2: you know what? Just so everybody knows, I'm going to tweet it out there. And, Justin, thanks for the call. Glad to have you back. Uh, let's go to now Ray in Brooklyn. Ray, you're up. On a fan.
0: Hey, Danielle, nice to talk to you again. How
2: are you? Hey, I'm good. Good to have you back.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, so the last time we spoke, we we touched, um, it, you know, it was amidst all of the, uh, um, you know, everything that was circulating with the Aaron Judge contract, and I know you briefly touched on it. I'll yeah. briefly touch on that sure. after I make the point on, like, um, the Yankees' keys to su- success this year. I think the main reason, you might have touched on it already, but LeMahieu, like, you know, and Severino, they've made – Nobody has said this, but it's probably going to come down to they'll be in the top, you know, three or four in terms of like comeback players of the year. They're going to play a a major role in the Yankees uh, turn, you know, they, turning it around earlier this season from earlier this season and going further than they have in the past. Um, so I'm not sure how you feel about that. And then with Chapman, I'm totally on board with you. I I, I don't trust this guy, even when he was at his best before the whole sticky stuff substance. Um, thing where he totally mentally lost it last year hasn't regained it even when he quote-unquote had it he managed to blow every big game in every big spot that there was even yeah. going back to the Cubs as well so I mean I don't, I don't yeah I'm not a huge fan
2: me neither no I am not either it's-
0: yeah and as far as um Aaron Judge if you recall I think you were on board like you kind of supported um you know him trying to, you know, trying to get what he can get. Well, um, right. I mean,
2: wouldn't you, like, right, as a player, you, you know, you've got a finite amount of time where you can go out and get what, you, what you're going to get, right? And so... Oh, my God, yes. Right? Yes,
0: of course. I'm totally on board with you and Aaron Judge, for, for that matter. I mean, with Aaron Judge, look, there were plenty of morons out there when, you know, that were piling on him. Like, I can't believe these people were Yankee fans. Like, I just can't believe maybe they were disguised as Yankee fans. when they called. How can you jump off the franchise like that and, you know, like uh, put all that undue pressure on him? It's a good thing that Aaron Judge doesn't succumb to, like, you know, outside noise and, and pressure. He's he's worth his weight in gold on and off the He's elite on the field, and his his record, his reputation off the field is – it's pristine. It is. Like, you know, who would represent the Yankees better than Aaron Judge? Not right. to mention, you know, he's on pace to only hit 58 home runs so far this year. He may <laughs> not do that. <laughs> but, but well. you know, pencil him in for 45. He's an elite player. Um, and, I'm you know, I'm with him. I mean, you know, if he wants to test the market, I'm cool. If the Yankees manage to lose him, it's on them. They're, they're That's the right. Yankees. They can, they can pay him. I mean, you know, 10 years is a little... Little much. I don't know if that rumor is true, but if you give him, you know, the eight years and just up the annual to like thirty five to forty, yeah, I think he would feel like, you know, what? This is my home. They want me, and I'm gonna stay. And you know, I just want to hear what you have to say.
2: Yeah, and and thanks for that, Ray. Uh, Yes, that that is that is it. And and it was the sticker or the 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 deal i i believe i believe didn't go through because of the number of years. And and again, if you're the let's play both sides here. So if you're Aaron Judge, you want the highest AAV for the most amount of years, okay? And he just turned 30, i think it was yesterday. Um let me see. Aaron Judge. Uh yeah, 30. April Oh, sorry, April 26th he turned 30. April 26th. Okay, so you're 30 years old. You're looking to get paid through at least, i don't know, what? 37, 38, and, and, and for him, uh, the player that he is, if he is no longer going to be um, an outfielder, well, he's he's a great DH, right? So if you're him, that's what you're thinking. And if you're the Yankees, you're like, well, you know, we got all these contracts on the on the books, and, I mean, we don't want to pay him for that long. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So there, that, that was the whole, and I know there were more details to that, but that was the whole thing. If it were me, I uh, see, I thought the, the deal that the Yankees offered was fair only because, it, you know, the, the amount of games that he's played. You know, it hasn't been full seasons every single year, you know, without being hurt. So I thought for that reason, the Yankees offer was a fair offer. And I can understand why Aaron Judge was kind of miffed at that, especially because they spent, what, $50 million to bring in uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and, and Josh Donaldson? And fifty million dollars that they they paid, where they just turned around and and, and and turned it into Carlos Correa. So I can understand that, like yo, like I came up through your your minor league system, I am the consummate Yankee, and yet you're going to throw the money at these guys and not me? Come on, I can understand that as well. So I think Aaron Judge. I, I listen. I, I didn't think he was going to sign the deal, and he didn't. And and the day that I the day before. He said he wasn't signing it. I put a bet on him to win MVP. If Aaron Judge wins MVP, he's betting on himself, and I'm betting on him. I'm winning 400 bucks. So let's go, Aaron Judge. Mike in Lakewood, you're up next on The Fan.
10: Mike? Mike, you. Go ahead. Hey, how are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I, I got to tell you, I disagree. Um, you know, I agree with if he wants to get as much as he can, go out and get as much as he can. But mm-hmm. the only thing that's bad about that is when he says, I want to stay a Yankee. They they offered him thirty million dollars a year, which would have worked out, it starts next year, would have worked out to eight years. Eight years of thirty million
2: dollars. If you want to stay a Yankee I mean, how much how much do you need? Well how much you know? well, well, let me put, let me turn it around this way. How much more could you get if you win an M V P this season you, or not a World if you Series get from someone else from someone else? So don't well, think you want to be it. a
10: Yankee. Well, yeah, but then you don't say you want to be a Yankee.
2: I don't know, because you know what? The Yankees are the richest franchise probably in all of baseball and all those professional sports. Why can't you it come from it, the Yankees?
10: But you don't think $30 million a year is fair? He's 30 years old now. $30 million. Halfway through the contract, he's going to be
2: 35, you know? Well, for me, 30, $30 million for me, I would sign it tomorrow. No, no, no. But but, for, even,
10: but even for him, It's
2: for a lot of money. I know, I, mean, I know.
10: but He's not but, Mike Trout.
2: I, I understand that, and it would, he would have been the second-highest-paid AAV uh, outfielder. Sorry, we got to hit the break here because we got an interview coming up. But uh, I understand, but if you're Aaron Judge and you're like, no, no, I'm worth more than that, I'm going to go out, I'm going to win an MVP, I'm going to win a World Series, and then you'll see how much I'm worth each year. you got to give him credit for it. And you're banking on a healthy season from him, too, in the, in the process of it. So I'm Danielle McCartan, and joining me next to analyze and evaluate the Jets 2022 draft class. First-round draft pick for the Jets 22 years ago. Anthony Beck joins us next. Hang tight, everybody. Welcome back to McCarten Before Midnight here on The Fan in New York City. I am Danielle McCartan, and right now we are lucky to be joined by Anthony Beck, who was drafted 27 overall by the Jets in the year 2000. And he's now a head coach for an upcoming XFL reboot. Anthony, thanks for joining us.
16: Uh, it's good to be on, Danielle. How's things?
2: Oh, good here. I, you know, I, I saw that you were up here in New York to support the Boomer Science Foundation this weekend. That's great.
16: I was, yeah. I did a little draft work uh, for the Jets this week, and I uh, was able to kind of take some time off. Uh, brought my wife and uh, a couple of our friends went up, uh, Wayne Corbett and his wife, and and uh, some folks at the Jets. We had a good time. Boomer does a great job. We uh, raised a lot of money. It's a pretty impressive deal, and you know, to see his son and what he's gone through and where he is now is pretty impressive, yeah. the the advances they've made.
2: Yeah. All right, we'll talk some Jets football here. Uh, you know, let's go back to go forward. In the year that the Jets chose you in the draft, they mm-hmm. had a draft that set the tone for the team for a long time. It was you, Sean Ellis, John Abraham, Chad Pennington, Lavernius Coles. Let me. Ask, what was so special about that class?
16: Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think anybody, obviously, you know, when those picks are made could, Per, you know, predict what was going to be from our careers. Obviously, some of us were able to stay as long as we could with New York, and we moved on to other places. And but you know, to play sixty plus years uh, total of all five of us is, is impressive. Um, and you can't keep us all around, obviously, with free agency and and things that happen. But um, you know, I think the, the the most consistent thing is all of us had to go out there and and play now and, and be a part of and really build that culture. Uh, with with a lot of the veterans that were on that team at that time. It was a very older um, team that, that we came on, veteran-laden team, and uh, was infused with some really good young talent. We were brought in, blended in, and you we know, were able to put a couple good years together, uh, those those next four, three, four, five years.
2: Is it fair to compare that? I mean, I know you we were talking about the longevity of it, but talent-wise, is it fair to compare this year's haul by Joe Douglas to that year?
16: Well, I mean, again, 60-plus you know, years – Right. That would be impressive. If you got, you know, 40-plus uh, years out of these guys, that'd be great. But I think on paper, uh, you know, you arg- arguably could say that you've got, you know, four guys at the top of their position mm-hmm. in college football, which is kind of amazing to say. I mean, I, you would never think that that would be attainable by an organization through a draft to get, you know, a cornerback, a receiver, a D, and a running back. And and quite frankly, a tight end, that may be the best of all of them because of his lack of usage and the talent that he had to deal with at Ohio State. Mm-hmm you know these guys are going to come in you know game ready ready to go i think they're going to be contributors right now um and i'm i'm excited i'm excited if you're a jet fan i mean why wouldn't you be excited i mean these are household names in college and you know if you're a jet fan or any fan across the uh across the nfl you know these names so uh it's going to be fun to watch them develop and grow and and ultimately you know you know Zach wilson's going to be the key to this whole thing um, you know being the top pick for the jets uh, 2 years ago and and that'll be, you know, the, the big question mark is, you know, the kind of leaps and bounds. But, you know, if you look at what Joe Douglas has done and, and his personnel, they've, they've surrounded them with weapons. They've, they've gotten the defense a lot better. And you would expect, uh, almost you would have to guarantee improvement by this football team if everybody's healthy week one.
2: You're listening to the Jets Draft Talk here with Anthony Becht on the fan. Um, Anthony, your son plays football at Iowa State, which means you've had an up-close and personal look at Brees Hall. What can you tell us about him?
16: Uh, he's exceptional. Um, you know, a lot of tread on the tires, but he's only 20 years old. Uh, he knows how to play the game that everybody in the stadium knew he was the offense for Iowa state the last, you know, two and a half years. And, and he lived up to expectation. You know, he's a patient outside zone runner that can find the hole, stick his foot in the ground and, and really put the gas on and explode through it. And he's also a downhill Power guy, where he can you know get in between the tackles and then get the tough yards as well. He's extraordinary in the second and third level, making people miss. He's got great anticipation and vision when he gets through the hole, and he you know feels that linebacker and that backside defender coming at him. You know just has that that great feel, and I think he's going to be a a huge uh, upgrade to this football team. I mean, you're talking about a backfield now with him and Michael Carter that is a really really good one two punch, and again alleviates a lot of pressure for the quarterback. So and not just a runner, you know, eighty plus catches as well. So screen passes, dink and dunks, and whatever that may be, uh, you know, along with these other you know receivers and talent coming back from last year, uh, you know, he's going to be a home run guy. I'm, I'm I'm really looking forward to him probably the most out of all the guys, just because you know he was kind of a bonus pick, a wild card pick for this team because they they drafted so well in the first round.
2: Next gen stats compares him to like guys like Travis Etienne, Saquon Barkley. Watching him as closely as you have, are those fair comps in the in the style of play
16: well I mean you know uh, those guys are still we're still waiting on those guys to really you know break out um I, I believe Derek Henry's on that that list we've seen his his uh ability to what to do what he does but uh you know I think Brees look he's you know 1500 yards back-to-back seasons um you know I sure I I would put expectations high on him he's very confident in his ability extraordinary athlete 40-inch vertical I mean now, he he led the he led the group of, of running backs uh, you know athletically and on the field last you know last year and, and really the last two seasons at Iowa State. So uh, I think he's going to be really good. I think he'll be the surprise uh, this year of all the draft picks uh, for a guy that's going to be able to come in with a revamped line, a better right. line. You know, with Lincoln Thomason also right. as part of that that upgrade that they're really going to see it, uh, an upgrade at the running back position as well.
2: To the defense we go. I think Jermaine Johnson, for me, was the steal of, not just for the Jets, but of the entire draft for me. Uh I I had him ranked actually as high as Trayvon Walker, who went like first, right? So how can Jermaine Johnson transform this Jets defense?
16: Well, you know, I think one thing that's important for me is, you know, all these guys, especially pass rushers, it's all potential driven, but you do want production as well. And I think that's the one thing you can say, you know, between Jermaine Johnson and Aiden Hutchinson, these guys produced in college. You know, Walker's a guy that, you know, played on superior defense. He's got the athleticism, the skill, and the length. But he's got the potential to be a really good pass brother. Jermaine Johnsons did it. I think the statistic that really is glaring uh, that maybe gets foreshadowed, is he's got 70 tackles as a defensive end. So he's a relentless player Mm -hmm. chasing down running backs, making plays other than just getting to the quarterback. And he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, you're right. I mean, a lot of people had him top five, top ten. I don't think anybody pegged him getting past 15. So, uh, you know, it it works out for the Jets. What an interesting kind of situation for them as they work the phones from pick 14 on to try to get someone to kind of make that move so they can get in there and also bite their nails off as they see each pick go off and he's still available. So uh, it was meant to be. I think it's great and I think he's going to be a huge contributor. You talk about what's coming back with Carl Lawson and, and, uh, you know, uh, Franklin Myers. I mean, these guys put together Rankins and Quentin Wilson. Uh, um, These guys can really put something together, Quinn and Williams, they can have a really nice NASCAR package where they have all these guys pass from rushing on third down situations. Keep on the watch.
2: <laughs> can you imagine that? You know, The one thing, though, in the scouting report that I did see about Jermaine Johnson, and if you've been in locker rooms clearly as you know, coach and, and as a player, um, Jermaine Johnson did not qualify academically coming out of Eden Prairie High School. Is that a major concern? How does that translate to the classrooms over there in Florham Park?
16: Well, you know, it's, um, you know, he, he's a guy that had a rough go to get to where he is. You know, he had to go through certain situations, you, you know, last chance you, I mean, all these different spots to get where he's at. And then, you know, he finds a place in Georgia and, and actually statistically outplays Walker at Georgia the same year they're there. And then and then obviously for, for individual reasons, you know, goes to Florida State and, and becomes a, the premier player in that, in that conference. So uh, he looks like and sounds like a guy that's, uh, again, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's hungry, and he's learned from those experiences. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm expecting him to be, you know, coming into this defense. He does fit well into the situation he'll be in, and I think Robert Sala and company will, will utilize his skill set to the fullest. And like I said, he's not just a pass rusher, right. uh, even though he had a great, you know, career doing that. This guy gets after the football, he makes plays, and, uh, you know, he's a three-down kind of guy.
2: I know Jets fans are having dreams of and R- Revis Island 2.0. Uh, what do sure. you think about Sauce Gardner?
16: You know I Just um, you know when you watch him play and the type of kid that he is. You know, here's a guy that wasn't highly recruited. A lot of people overlooked him. You know, went to Cincinnati and, and Luke Fickle did a phenomenal job really building that team. But he really takes on the persona of what that coach was: disciplined, uh, humble. And just an outstanding player. I mean, you know, he was one of many players in that defense that were exceptional. Um, You know, never gave up a scoring touchdown, which is remarkable to me. I mean, just by sheer luck, things happen. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't able to do that. You know, had success versus really good competition, Alabama in the championship game. uh, Played really well. And, you know, he's a confident guy. Super long. He's got great speed for his length. And uh, he knows how to play the football, you know. I mean, listen, we all say, we all watch it. Corners don't turn their head around as much. This guy's very good technician-wise. He gets his head around, finds the football, and makes plays. Uh, Again, instant impact, day one. You know, these guys are coming in. A lot is expected from them, and I expect to see that on the field. So uh, these these guys are going to be really good pickups and players for this football team.
2: Um, part of his scouting report, we're talking with Anthony Becht right here on The Fan. Um, a, this is a quote. It says, A plethora of holding in- interference calls over three years and grabs in holes when, pa- mat- uh, when pattern matching goes awry. If you're the Jets coaching staff, priority number one has to be footwork, right?
16: Well, I mean, you know, he's going to hone in and get his skill set better every single day he's here. You know, when you leave college and you're the guy, um, you know, you, you, you cut some corners sometimes because of your skill set. You're just better than everybody else. And, you know the technique is maybe not as clean as it should be, but you've gotten away with it for sheer talent for so long that, you know those are those are things that he'll get better at in the league. You know he'll get coached up by NFL quality uh, coaches on the defensive side of the ball, and he'll get better. I mean it's a physical. You know receivers are much more quicker, faster, uh, physicality. They're bigger. Just like, I mean you know so the matchups are going to be great week in and week out. So, well those are things he'll just have to continue to work on. But sure. you know as far as everything else is his game, he's been strong and. Uh, well, deserved to be uh, in the top five pick.
2: Joining us right now on the fan is Jets' number 27 overall pick in the year 2000. Anthony Becht. Uh, you add into the offense Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. So, Anthony, if you could fill in the blank here, Zach Wilson needs to blank to tell me that he has improved.
16: <clears throat> um, you know, I, I really think it's it's kind of. Tear it down. You know, I, I think he overanalyzed a lot of stuff last year. I mean, you know, think about all the layups that were out there for him just to kind of get the ball in playmakers' hands. I think right now he's surrounded by so many players that can do so many things if you just get the ball in their hands, that they're success. You know, uh, you know a lot of folks and coaching staff and reports, you know, about him were, you know, always asking all the questions all the time and, and trying to figure out all the answers. Well, you know what? You, you can't figure it out all out in, in five, four, six, you know, seven months. I mean, it's, it's a process going through the experiences and ultimately you have to trust what the system is you know, asking you to do. So when you're on an, a particular pass play and your read is okay, you know, we're starting at the one here is the corner on or off. If he's off, we're taking it. If not, we move to the next guy in our progression. Right. So when we snap the football, that's the guy. Now, if there's a rotation and the number two guy becomes covered, now you know where your three is or you get the ball out of your hand. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece of the equation for him is those extra you know, plays that he's made in college where he moves around with his feet and he throws the ball uh, a certain angle and he gets himself a, a spectacular completion. Those, That's the gifted stuff that will naturally need to happen, but actually the play itself, if he just goes through the simple progressions, and I say simple because you know it's not a simple game. It's not easy for the quarterback, but it's, it's also easy to overanalyze things, and I think that's what you saw from him. So I think he just needs to tear it down a bit. He's going to watch a lot of his film. He's going to watch all the plays that he had last year, all the reasons why he did what he did, and he's going to find a lot of reasons why he shouldn't have did what he did, and I think that's only going to help him. In this offense, and all these other weapons that are coming in now, should make it easier for him to hone in to have a better season.
2: Robert Sala, I don't know if you saw it, but spoke directly to Mackay Becton right into the camera, and he said, "We'd love to have you back here." That was kind of weird to me. What do you think?
13: Well,
16: you know, I'm a little old school. I believe players should be there. I know it's voluntary, but you know, if you're trying to build something, you want all your guys in the building. You want them rehabbing there. You want them training there. You want them, you know, running the. Whatever running program, conditioning program, guys falling out. You want to be together as a team and lift each other up. Now, uh, of course, there's personal uh, situations that go on. I believe he's having a child, and you know Bryce Hall is, has got some personal things uh, in his family as well. These guys will, you know, hopefully show up soon. But I think you know sometimes as a young player, and, and I always kind of use the example as look like if you haven't been like on the field for five straight years, I would I would never miss any off season. Mm-hmm. Workout OTA or anything. I mean, it would make me nervous as a guy. And I was a first round pick, and I was a guy that started every basically every game for my first eight years. And I just had that mentality, and it just that was the mentality of my teammates. And there was a lot of success with the Jets at that time, and then also when I left for the Bucks and some of these other teams. So um, you know, look, if you're Tom Brady and you got 20 plus years, man, you you got a little grace time. But when you're young, and you know, I get it. Guys have a lot of money; they're put in certain situations, but you know, when it's time to get back and go to work, I think it's it's you got to be there. So, uh, yeah, it's voluntary. There's no question about it. But there's those messages, and I think Coach just wants him around because he wants him to be great. I think everybody does. I want him to be great. He's an important piece of this team. Sure. And if he's not out there, one hundred percent, full, ready to go, then you know that that's going to take away from what this team's trying to build. So I see him training. I see him doing his things. Hopefully, he'll be in the building soon. You know, I again, I believe he's having a child here soon. So when he gets back, hopefully, you know. All is done, and he's in the building. But you know, I definitely, I hey, listen. I love the coach. You know, he said it in a fun way, and uh, I think that you know they've talked more than 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 once about the situation, and, and hopefully, he's there soon.
2: We'll put a nice little bow on this Jets season. I got to ask you one about the XFL. The word expectation has started to surround the Jets for the first time in a long time. What is, in your opinion, a realistic expectation for this team?
16: Yeah, five hundred, man. I you know, that's where it starts for me. I really do believe they can get themselves in that situation where they can, you know, be a five hundred football team and that would be huge. I mean, I just uh and I think there, you know, there shouldn't be any blowout games. I believe that, you know, the that within the division, although look, we all know Buffalo, the what what they've done for their team and how they're winning, that'll be the biggest hurdle. But this division is not easy. So it'll be it'll be pressure laden every single week, at least within the division, but Uh, Those are the strides I want to see from this football team. We're we're seeing a lot less talented teams. And when I mean less, you know, there's other teams out there that have maybe uh, not as much youth talent, really good youth talent, but they're just a a young overall team that are winning more games and having more success. I think this team now is put together. and They always talk about, you know, Robert Sala and and Joe Douglas about the process that they're looking for moving forward. And now you're seeing it with the free agency picks, the two years now with all this draft capital, the pieces are there now. This, this is a solid roster now you're putting on the football field. To me, an exciting roster that if everybody's healthy day one, week one, it's going to be fun to watch. That's the biggest question mark. Right. This team is, you know, this organization has been plagued by random situations, whether it be an injury or something happens, and all of a sudden you find yourself like, man, here we go again. So I want that to go away. I want to see this team healthy. I want to see them get through training camp, have a great training camp, develop these players so that these young guys can come out and be uh, keys to this team's success moving forward. You know, I want to see Garrett Wilson pop off a season like uh, like Jefferson or, or or some of these uh, receivers that come in first year and just have huge years. And that's the way it's going to be for that guy. Like they deserve that, and these are the kind of players that should do that for them from this draft.
2: Final question. We're joined by Anthony Becht, who is signed on to be a head coach in the uh, uh, upcoming XFL season. A lot of people are already reading into this. Anthony, why is Anthony going on a uh, New York sports radio show here? What could you tell us about the XFL and your expectations for it?
16: <laughs> well, number one, I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate to get this opportunity. Uh, there's there's a lot of deserving coaches out there that that put their names into the hat for this, but you know, I sold the vision to ownership and. And the people involved, um, you know, I felt like there was something that aligned with myself and, and Dwayne Johnson and, and Danny Garcia and what they were trying to mold and develop from this league. And I was one of the pieces that they felt made a lot of sense. So, you know, I bring a lot of experience. I think it's a misnomer when we talk about head coaches and coaching. You know, 12 years in the league, I've coached in spring leagues, I've coached uh, some of the top talent in college football and all-star games for seven years now. I've mentored guys. I've worked for the NFL And helped bring in guys after transitioning from the NFL into retirement now and and guiding and mentoring those guys. So it's kind of the big picture and then all the media stuff. I mean, I've been calling, you know, I know the college game as good as anybody coming out of the league just because I was around it, calling those games, critiquing and criticizing coaches' decisions for eight straight years. You know, now it's my turn to kind of, you know, there's a lot in the, in in kind of the, the, the knowledge in the bucket for me that I'm just ready to give back. Timing was always a big thing. You mentioned my son now. He, he's obviously at Iowa State, early enrollee playing up there. So, yep. you know, my, my tables kind of opened up a little bit more, and the spring makes a lot of sense for me. So, I'm looking to be a full, full year 365 NFL, XFL kind of guy, and, and I'm really excited about the opportunity with the XFL, and I'm going to put together a great staff. And the players that are on my team are going to get developed, and I want them all to go to the NFL. That's my goal.
2: Well, Anthony Beck, best of luck. I'll definitely be tuned in. Whatever team you end up being on, that's my favorite team. So uh, uh, I appreciate you coming on, carving out some time for us here on this Sunday. You got Thank it. Yes,
16: yeah, stay tuned. Big announcements coming in the next uh, couple weeks, months, and uh, it'll be exciting time.
2: All right. I-, I will be locked in, Anthony. Thank you so much. I appreciate you it. You got it. Peter Schwartz is here in studio with an update for you guys. Welcome back to McCartan Before Midnight on the fan in New York City. It is me here with the with the mic in front of me as well as Connor Green behind the glass taking your calls. Connor Green on the ones and twos as well with his throwback of a Shanti and jaw Rule that I'm liking here. <laughs> He's laughing. Uh, the Mets now lead the Phillies 7-4 on a Pete Alonso RBI. Oh, oh, oh wait a second. Starling Marte is at the plate. And the bases are loaded. Something here to watch in the bottom of the seventh. And they just showed coming back from commercial on TV a beautiful shot of City Field at nighttime. I mean, that stadium really is. I mean, I've been to I think 20. I think I've been to 20 stadiums. City Field is up there. I mean, it is a beautiful stadium. That that outfield area there is is wide open and it's it's just it's it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Oh, it looks like all right, look, uh, Marte has been nailed out at second for the first out. However, two runs have scored. He tried stretching a single into a double. And uh, it is nine to 9-4 New York Mets. I think game, set, match, but but we'll see. Uh, in the final closing segment here, uh, listen, give me a call. 877-337-6666. I want to hear why you are so happy about your New York sports team. I mean, there really isn't a team that you can really complain about. And if you do, I mean, you are one miserable person, I think, right? <laughs> all right, it's time for some hurry-up offense here. It is finally an exciting time for sports around here, everybody. Look at the standings. The New York Yankees have the best record in all of baseball. And, and, and it looks like the Mets are going to win tonight. And even if they don't, they will have the second-best record in all of baseball. I mean— I'm no baseball historian, I guess, but I don't know when the last time something like that has happened where the Mets and the Yankees are 1-2. I mean, on on, on May 1st. We're, we're just planning for a Subway Series around here, aren't we? I mean, there's so much to like about these both baseball teams. Um, you got the Jets and Giants who each had what could be, and this is no hyperbole. You know I don't talk in hyperbole. Uh, But they could both have had franchise-altering drafts. I think the Jets more so than the Giants. And then you got the Rangers, who are the next New York team to try to bring a championship home to this city, the greatest city in the world. And then, of course, they're going to be welcoming the Penguins to the Garden on Tuesday for Game 1 of the first round. So let's try to focus on the good. For a little bit. There's a lot to be excited about if you're a New York sports fan. Tell me why you're happy. And Before I sign off for the night, I do have to wish a, It's close enough to midnight, right? going to wish a happy birthday to my dad, the biggest Giants fan out there, the biggest Mets fan out there. I have a, a special little post coming out at, at 7 a.m. tomorrow. I scheduled it on Twitter anyway. I, you can't, Facebook makes it so hard. I'll have to just post that um, by hand on Facebook. But uh, so Happy birthday, Dad. Sorry, we couldn't do something tonight, but hey, you got a shout out on the radio. So happy birthday! And listen, Yankee fans, the one thing I did want to point out, and Aaron Judge obviously has been the stud at the talk of the day. The everybody always cranks up exit velocity as like this this stat that okay cool. I mean the the exit velocity on the home run in the first inning I think was one hundred and thirteen miles an hour, but that that check swing that excuse me swing that he had. You know what the exit VLO on that was? 21.7 miles per hour. 21.7, the, the the slowest batted ball he has hit in his entire career. And 21.7 miles an hour, I mean, that is doing the speed limit in a school zone, if you ask me. But listen, the Yankees seem to be a more balanced lineup than they, they have been Um you got speed on the bates bats. So you guys got, got guys going first to third, hustling out doubles. I mean, who is this Yankee team? I mean, really, seriously. And the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen has been lights out. Absolutely lights out for this Yankee team. I mean, all the starting pitchers have to do, I mean, this is, get them to the fifth inning. Let the bullpen take over. And then Chapman still gives me nightmares. But if I, if I'm a Yankee fan, Chapman would still give me nightmares. Michael King has been the unsung hero of this entire bullpen. I mean, it's just been amazing. I was there when he had his first career save. The guy was beaming ear to ear, and it was infectious. And he was just there's he's there's a lot there's a lot to like about Michael King and what he can do on the mound. And then, of course, the Mets. I mean, coming off the second no hitter in team history the other night, it was a combined one in the scorebook. It still counts. I think a lot of emphasis has been placed on the pitchers and not James McCann. Uh, and he called it for five different pitchers. I mean, come on. That's pretty amazing. Well, anyway, uh, I think the Mets are on, on the way to a win. It's 9-4, top of the eighth. Thanks to all the callers. I could not have done this without you, and I love coming here and talking with you. And if you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of it. I don't know, around 6.30 or so. Uh, I'll I'll see you for a Danielle doubleheader next weekend. Saturday night, 10-2, and then this time again Sunday after the Yankees until 10 p.m. Great, great job to Connor Green. We had a lot of moving parts today, so great job behind the glass. And also to Pete McCarthy, Peter Schwartz on the updates. And in the meantime, you hit my social media accounts, Coach McCartan on Twitter and on Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. We'll keep the conversation going. And let's go, Rangers. Lori Rubinson, the program, up next here on WFAN 1019-660.
1: Sports Radio 1019-